Good morning. It is a Friday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. I am Glenn Clark. He is Pressbox's chief poop, Grand Poobah, Stan the Fan Charles. He's got a cord situation unfolding I in front of like us. I feel like most of the time like I'm the poop, the, the, not the Grand Poobah, the Poobah. Well, what's the difference? I don't understand. Why Why are you not feeling like the Grand Poobah today? Because I had the cord situation. Ah, that doesn't, you can't be a Grand Poobah if no, you're all wrapped no, up in your own no, cord. No, I think everybody no, knows no. that. It's been quite a messy morning for the staff of Glenn Clark Radio. Uh, MC Ernest was dumping coffee all over himself, which I got to be honest with you is not what I would do. I would not like. Well, I thought coffee, you were an athlete. Coffee usually is hot when you yeah. get it at Dunkin' yeah, Donuts. Yeah, so I would probably avoid dumping yeah. it all over yourself. Yeah. Now wait a second. Water's much better. Hang on. Didn't uh, didn't a lady dump uh, coffee all over herself for McDonald's and sue them yeah. and yeah. get get a lot of? Yeah, that was McDonald's, right? Not, not Dunkin' Donuts. Oh. Or you don't want him to sue because you want to make sure you can still well, get your powder donuts. Well, donuts, they know you, you're there to buy hot stuff, you know. Oh, all right. Yeah. Fair enough. I guess I guess it's not going to work. Sorry. Sorry, Mike. I thought I had a plan for you. thought I was going to be able to get you wealthy, but uh, Stan, yeah. Stan says, no, not, not going to work happen. out that way. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think the uh, the iced coffee kind of ruins that, too. Oh, oh it was an iced coffee. <laughs> it was an iced coffee? Oh. Well. Definitely not going to help. Yeah. Definitely not going to help. You should order help. one of those hey. like in the middle of uh, January. Or right. Yes, correct. And then you could uh, sue him for hypothermia or something <laughs> like that. Probably not going to work today. I had an issue with some wool socks this morning, which makes me feel like about a, I'm about 64 years old. Like, went to the gym in the morning, got out of the shower. I br- I'm working at Archbishop Spalding McDonough tonight, which is a big game. And they always, they're good to me at Spalding, so I'm happy to do it. But, you know, you're doing high school football. Those... Those boxes aren't exactly insulated, you know what I mean? Like, you are, you're going to be out there a little bit in the elements. So I said, I'm going to wear some wool socks tonight. So Very could, smart. Very smart it, move. It was, it was a good thought until I get out of the shower and I'm going to put wool socks over wet feet. And it, it took me eight minutes. And then I finally said, I'm running late now because I can't pull my socks so up. So what is the lesson to be learned from that? Bring the wool socks with me. Put regular socks on after the gym. Bingo. So you've learned Bring something. the wool socks with me or just do the double socks. Grasshopper, just, you've yeah, learned right. a very it valuable been, lesson. It has been a learning lesson today. Uh, a lot to do on the program today. We are going to uh, talk some baseball. Tyler Kepner of the New York Times, he has a new book out. It's called The Grandest Stage. It's about um, it's about the, the history of the World Series. It's really a love letter, as I've started reading it, to the World Series specifically. It's not a retelling necessary. It's not chronological. It's a lot of stories. Uh, you know, former players we talked to on both ends of World Series, his own experience as a kid going to the 1983 World Series, growing up rooting for the Phillies, and um, a lot of sorrow that that caused him that, that we enjoy quite a bit here in Baltimore. We're good with that. Uh, but Tyler Kapner, we'll talk to him about that. We'll also get some uh, baseball conversation in with him as uh, the two league championship series now shift this weekend uh, to the uh, lower seed uh, with the Astros up 2-0 now and the NLCS tied at one game apiece and maybe even a little Orioles. Uh, Later on in the program, Gerard Cherry. He's part of the Browns radio broadcast crew. He's a former Super Bowl champion with the Patriots. He will join us. We will preview Sunday's game in Baltimore. And uh, Jake Butt is going to join us this morning, former Michigan and NFL tight end, now analyst for the Big Ten Network. He is calling Maryland Northwestern uh, tomorrow afternoon. Now, I, I need you to know, Stan, Jake, this was not a Mike Tirico situation. Jake, in fact, was disappointed when we booked him for late in the show 
he said, well, I really only wanted to talk to Stan the Fan Charles. Like, that's the only reason why I came on the show. And I said, well, Stan's, well, let, let Stan's got Stan's to leave a little bit early. And let me so, call my wife, you know. Oh, I'm sorry. He just told us he had to move times. Okay. Oh, yeah. All he right. won't be okay. able to. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. It's okay. just the way that it goes. So yeah, I'm, he just, so I'm not a running gag. No, but understand. He said, Tariko, I mean, there were some things said there that I, I don't know if it's personal. I don't know if you maybe... You know, kissed his girlfriend at some point when you guys were young or something like that. I have no idea what's going on there. Mm -hmm. Tariko is very personal. Jake Butt really wanted to talk. Because, and I, this is verbatim, he said, because if anyone knows Butt, it's Stan the Fan Charles. <laughs> that's, that's I what, I know Butt. That's what he said. So he was really excited about chatting with you. It's just okay. the timing didn't line up, unfortunately, All because right. you got to. Maybe you know, next time. Yeah, maybe next time. Maybe it'll work out better the next right. time that that mm -hmm. all happened. Mm. Um, we had to pre-record our interview with Jake Butt, and so unfortunately Stan wasn't. Where did he play Jake Butt? Michigan. He Michigan. played, and then he okay, went to the Broncos right. for a little that. while. Okay. And um, you know, it was a nice. It was a nice play. It was the Mackey Award winner, in fact. His senior year of college, and so we had him on then um, as he was in Baltimore being uh, celebrated for being the John Mackey Award winner as the top tight end in football. Um, Stan, a lot to cover today. I want to talk a little baseball. I obviously want to talk some Ravens with the, uh, I, the, the, the news last night, Christian McCaffrey being dealt to the 49ers. You asked me how I felt about it before the show, and I'm in a weird place where it's a it's a big price to I know Christian McCaffrey's special. Yeah. It's still a big price to pay for any running back in 2022 in the NFL. Like the, I don't know that your running back is is necessarily going to prove to be the difference in whether or not you can win a Super Bowl. Now, I also sense there might be some personal connection there. Obviously Kyle Shanahan, the son of Mike Shanahan, Ed McCaffrey was such an important part mm -hmm of the Broncos winning two Super Bowls. I, I don't know if maybe there's been a long-time familial connection that made this more personal for Kyle Shanahan and made him say, Yeah, let's give up we, that I, much. I need yeah. that guy. Go yeah. get him. One of the follow-up stories that came out last night in the aftermath of the news of the trade was, hey, don't forget, they have like six extra compensatory third-round picks because they lost Robert Sala, they lost Mike McDaniel, and they lost uh, Martin Mayhew to the Commanders. And when you lose a minority assistant coach or right. a um, front office member, much like the Ravens with David Culley uh, two years ago as part of the program to try to incentivize um, having minority coaches and front office members get opportunities, the team that loses them gets these compensatory picks. So they do have a lot of picks to play with. So trading as much as they did, a second, a third, a fourth, kind of mitigated. Are they announced as their second, third, and fourth? I don't know if they were announced as their. You, you can now trade can compensatory now trade picks. Them. That changed a few years okay. ago. You can now trade compensatory <laughs> picks. So I don't know off the top of my head if it's their own you know, third round pick or if it was the, one of the compensatory the, picks. The real question to me seems to be the, the 49ers have valued him as being worth that. And I have no doubts if he's at the top of his game He's to me. He is worth that in a in a short term move that that might jump you up. But what I've seen of him, it sounds like he's just in and out. Yeah, you know? yeah. So and the and where we're gonna go with this is talk about whether or not what it means about the Panthers and whether or not DJ Moore could still be on the block. So let me go there in a second. Right. But to your point, I reached out to some friends in Charlotte last night, more asking about hey, what does this mean for the possibility of a DJ Moore trade? And we ended up talking a little bit about Christian McCaffrey's injury history. And one of the things that was said to me was, 
Yeah, but guys tend to be about as hurt as their situation dictates them being. Like, somebody might be a little bit less inclined to be injured if they're in a better situation yeah. than Christian McCaffrey. Now, I'm not trying to throw shade at Christian McCaffrey, and it's totally possible. I'm not saying anything wasn't legitimate, but there are times where you're like, yeah, I, I, could, I could go, but why? It, Why am I going? Is his contract, uh, he's got like sort of a, a long-term deal. Yeah, didn't he they, did get they, a long-term deal. Yeah, I'm not, I think it's a $20 million cap hit for like the next two or three seasons. It's a lot to take it on a for lot. a running yeah. back. And again, yeah. I know Christian McCaffrey is very unique as when it comes to a running back. Like calling him a running back is a little bit unfair. He's more like a running back wide receiver hybrid He's so like a swiss army knife correct yeah. so it's unfair to just label him as a running back so i get why it is that you'd be more inclined to do this for christian mccaffrey than you would be for any other even high level even a nick chubb even a you know alvin kamara is a bit closer to christian mccaffrey than nick chubb is but other true running backs i understand why you'd be more inclined to do it for mccaffrey than those guys so they make this move at on the heels of robbie anderson and the sense is they really have waved the white flag in Carolina, and it's Ali Ali oxen free now, and you can have whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Make make spin the wheel, make a deal, right? Like call, call, call. And the center of the conversation for the last couple of weeks, since the Ravens' wide receiver picture picture got murkier with Rashad Bateman being hurt, and them not looking nearly the same offensively without Rashad Bateman on the field, and then Matt Rule getting fired. There have been a lot of people around here who have wondered out loud, could there be a fit for the Ravens to for try Matt to rule to play receiver? I don't think for... that was the oh, one okay. that they were okay. looking for. Although, if he's <laughs> the Ravens appear willing to take on just about anyone. <laughs> so let's be honest yeah. about this. Maybe they would call about Matt Rule. No, the question would be, is there a fit for DJ Moore? So yeah. I call down to some of my friends in Charlotte and I say, hey, does this make it more or less likely, no pun intended, that they would be willing to trade DJ Moore. And the message, the response I mostly got back was they're probably unrelated. Like, I, I think still the sense that I have is they intend to try to go get a quarterback next year. Right. Like, they understand that whoever's going to be their next coach is going to want to have a quarterback. And if you're going to want to have a quarterback, you want to have somebody for that quarterback to throw the ball to. So I still get the sense that DJ Moore is about as available as what you're willing to pay and what that payment would need to be is more significant than what they got for Christian McCaffrey, right. and we think that's a high price. Yeah, We think they got a significant price for McCaffrey with it being a second, third, fourth, and fifth. That probably wouldn't even do it in order to get DJ Moore. Like, the numbers would have to be... Yeah, and that's not... Uh, the Ravens have no appetite to give up that much. It's definitely not anything like the Ravens have, you know, Historically done in the done. past. Yeah. Now, the question becomes, are are they so... Should they be more more inclined? Should they be more willing to be aggressive with Lamar Jackson, knowing... They, the, the offense is kind of what you're going to need to do in order to win. Should they be more inclined to pay a significant price? There's been a lot of talk about Elijah Moore wanting out in New York. You know, that's interesting. The Jets have no real reason. The Jets are competitive right now. Right. Like, the Jets have no – this is not Robbie Anderson being unhappy in Carolina and the Panthers saying, well, what the hell? We're not winning with him. Like, what They've are we got doing? two guys that are unhappy. Denzel Mims, who was a second-round pick Right, yeah, he 20, was tweeting the other day. Well, he no, he, remember, wasn't Denzel Mims the one who said, 
Or was that Elijah Moore? Who tweeted out? Uh, Elijah Moore tweeted. He was like, "If I was unhappy, I would." That was Elijah. If we weren't okay. winning, I would say something. Yeah, yeah. I'm okay. not. I'm definitely not going to do yeah. that. Okay. I'm definitely not, not going to say I'm unhappy. Not going to tell people yeah. how unhappy I'm, I am. I'm winning, so I'm not going to talk about how unhappy. I just want you guys to know. Don't yeah. say I'm unhappy <laughs> because I'm not saying I'm happy that. Happy for my teammates. Exactly yeah. right. That's what he said on Twitter the other day. Um, and the Jets sit back and say, "Right, but we're competing right yeah. now, so." Like, if one of our other guys goes down, we're going to need you. We're right. not necessarily interested in in giving you up. So, look, I'm not saying I'd be opposed to Elijah Moore. He's definitely not. Let's make it abundantly clear. Elijah Moore has done nothing to show that he's DJ Moore. Right. Um, but I know that a lot of people really liked Elijah Moore coming out of the draft. And if you're someone who – the Ravens have always been a team who said, we look at players how we scouted them when they become available. That's the way they handle their business. They – they turn back to their own scouts and say, tell us what you thought about this player when he was coming out, because if you loved him, then we believe we can get that guy when he gets here. But, you know. And also in the backdrop, it, it was we hadn't heard much about Bateman's condition at all since he hurt his foot a couple weeks ago. Now he's practiced the last Yeah, the word days. is that he's going to play on Sunday okay. against the Browns. So that's that's good, right? Yeah. But, you know, he's now been banged up a couple times already in his career. And yep. if you're pinning everything on Rashad, like if it, if it comes down to either Rashad Bateman's got to be healthy or we're going to be a mess, that seems like you'd like to have an, a decent insurance, insurance policy. policy. Correct. And Deshaun Jackson, I don't think any of us believe, is capable of being that insurance policy at this point in his life. So... Should they be more interested in swinging for the fences one of these times and saying it's time for us to pay a real price to get a high-level wide receiver, a guy that's a sure-fire, number-one-ish right. type of as good a player as we can get? They weren't willing to pay very reasonable prices for guys that became available in the past, like Stephon Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins and hindsight those guys the, the, the trade value of those guys was quite reasonable yeah. um but they well, weren't going to do tra- it you've got now trade value and then you've got contract Correct. considerations of course that's an- where that market has exploded 100 yeah. percent. dj moore is not at the top of that market again nobody's trying to suggest that dj moore is deandre hopkins either right by, right by the way really weird how the cardinals suddenly looked like a competent football team last night when they got an incredible wide receiver back on the field <laughs> Really weird how that works when we write a team off and say they stink, and then they get a really good wide receiver back, and you're like, oh, right, you guys know how to play offensively when DeAndre Hopkins is on the field. It's strange how that goes in this league where we keep pretending like wide receiver isn't the second most important thing that exists on a football field. It's a very weird bit that we've done. I've never understood why it is that we continue to try to push I, I guess because they're divas, they're annoying, like we haven't always loved wide receivers, but my God, did they change the course of where you are offensively. So I'll go back. Should the Ravens be willing to, to step up to the plate this time? I don't have a great an- answer because it just sounds like the combination of what you'd have to give up to get a top guy and then paying him. Well, and DJ Moore's already in. under contract. Okay. He's already under contract. And again, for real money, but not – not, upper upper top of the you know he's in more not than twenty to kill no money. not not crazy money yeah I mean he's he's certainly an interesting player to me um, 
I I'm just mystified why what what round did he go? He went in like the first round. Pick. He went he was in the a first, first round. round pick, yeah. So it was Diggs who went in the yeah, fifth that, round. I mean, in a million was, years we'll never yeah. understand that, yeah. right? Yeah. Like in a million years, there'll never be a day where I wake up and understand how everything. I just had a feeling good. back back then when Diggs was drafted, the Ravens had a a thing like there's there's nobody good playing down at College Park. You know, it was sort of a bias. I mean, they, they took Torrey Smith, and it worked out okay yeah. for him. Yeah. Like, they took him much earlier than Stephon Diggs went, yeah. and it worked out all right for yeah. him. Like, I, you know, we'll, we'll die, and I'll never. Every time I watch the dude play, I keep saying to myself, so, fifth round. Fifth round. Fifth round. Yeah. They, they watch that A lot that of guy. players, pass, they passed on. A, I mean, the, Correct. The, a lot of picks oh, going you on. And, you don't want to go back and look at the list. You yeah. don't. It's just going to yeah. make you angry every time you yeah. do that. Um, DJ Moore, I don't even know that I would say I think is as good as Stephon Diggs because Stephon Diggs has really separated himself to be one of the three or four best receivers in all of football. He's one of the great route runners in the history of the NFL at this point, Stephon Diggs. I'm not trying to say, and I'm infuriated the Ravens had a chance to get Stephon Diggs again at a reasonable price, and they said, nah, we're good. We'll, we'll, we'll just... We'll just pay. remember we only scouted him as a fifth rounder, so right. we're just gonna go ahead and say nah. At this point, we're gonna pass. But at some point, I, it, we've been talking about it ad nauseum. We're doing it again. It has well, been this franchise's single greatest for all of the wonderful things they've done. We're off to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz. No, I, for all of the wonderful things they've done as a franchise, and they've done so like overwhelmingly they've been a high level NFL franchise for some time but the wide receiver thing is mystifying it is mystifying how they keep doing to this themselves they just keep continuing to say either we don't want to pay the premium for the top guys or we think we can get around it somehow the the three and it's too early to, to grade Bateman for his career but the three best wide receivers I think that we'd agree that they've ever had we're all free agent pickups. Bolden, um, Steve Smith, and Derek t- Mason. Torrey Smith had a better career than Steve Smith did in Baltimore because Torrey Smith was a significant contributor to a Super Bowl team. Okay. But, you know, Steve Smith is the fi- – and the other thing that we're – I don't know why, but we're very disrespectful. Kadrius Mao was a better Ravens receiver than Steve Smith was. Steve Smith got a lot of attention, and I love his brand. But, again, Kadrius Mao, everybody forget. like, we, we think of him as, like, a fun – fast guy and we forget the insane numbers that he put up during his time in baltimore um cadre ismail yeah, i just r- don't tend to think his his numbers were very good and probably outshine the guys i'm talking about but steve smith was kind of what you want he was he the, was at he heart was he was the, an right. alpha dog he, they, you know? that was that's that's yeah. the biggest difference between yeah. steve's the way we look at yeah. steve smith and cadre ismail steve smith yeah. we we think of his toughness we yeah. think of his you know intensity Spinning correct we think of him constantly at being at risk of getting in a fight with anyone for any reason whereas the truth is maybe james prochet could if that helps if that helps i'm for it right steve smith's apparently a huge james prochet fan too so maybe they could there could be some lessons shared there apparently john harbaugh uh, and he says he says he had some quotes yesterday i don't i don't know how to he thinks he's ready to really take off well i don't know why they're waiting why wait maybe maybe when what did the the eagles give up to the titans to get aj brown and that's the that's the guy i would have wanted during the offseason now he you would have had to have immediately paid as well like he they that was the reason why the titans trade him um uh, it was their first round pick okay it was their first round pick in the draft which i 
So know? what you got back for him was less because of of the, va- the you had to pay him. Essentially, yeah. yes, okay. right? Like you had to immediately pay him when yeah. you did it. Look, man, I, you're in the position that you're in. You can't go back and redo any of these decisions that you've made. You can't reconsider any of can't them. Can't do a quantum leap. No, I don't believe you're going to be able to do a quantum leap. What is that guy's name? The uh, the actor, the actor that's yeah, now is, playing. Yeah, what is that guy's name? I like him. He's good. I, he's in something Lee, isn't it? That sounds right. That sounds right. I'll find out in one second. Um, I like that show. The new. I have quantum not. Leap. I have not watched the the new one. I have not checked it out it's, yet. It's got a complexity to it that is is to quote the uh, former Raymond Lee. Thank Raymond you. Lee. And yeah, he's in a show I really like called Kevin Can F Himself on AMC. It's outstanding. The girl from um, Shit's Creek is in that show. It's really good. Yeah, really good. Um, all right, look, I, I don't have you know. I'm I'm gonna tell, continue to say I'm willing to. It's easy for me to say that. It's not my money. It's not my cap situation I have to, to juggle. I'm willing to pay a premium if that's what it costs to get DJ Moore because this franchise, it, we're going to do this again in a couple of months. We're going to get to the end of the season, and we're going to sit there and say to themselves, ourselves, you know what they could still use? Another mm-hmm. wide receiver. Like we're just we'll gonna be keep going doing into this. the draft next year. Talk, we're just yeah. going to keep doing this for forever. Yeah. So when you have remember a year ago, we didn't go into the draft thinking that we went to, for the first time ever in the history of the Ravens. We said maybe not the top priority in the draft this year would be wide receiver because they've got Brown and Bateman. And we think that combination might work out pretty well together. And then they decided to go ahead and move on from Brown. And we all said, look, you know, OK, that's fine. You got a pretty good return for him. But. Right. Who the hell is going to play wide receiver next right. year? What are we going to do? And here we are again. We are continuing to be in this the, hell. The only thing, though, is is po- possibly by the end of this year, uh, likely the the tight end hybrid maybe might might have evolved to be something because he's maybe. he's got some I mean, speed. There's there's I mean, but we said that about a lot of guys yeah. over the years. Like I'm not saying it's impossible. It, right. You know, it's totally possible. So yes. You don't you don't like Elijah Moore at all? Like I. It's not that I don't I'm like very, Elijah Moore. I'm not. That seems much more doable. Well, of course, it's much more doable. Well, hang on, strike that. The Jets have no reason to deal Elijah Moore. There is no at right this point. The Jets are competitive. The Jets are fighting for a playoff spot. A losing team trades a player of that right. caliber Correct. at this point where they are. Well, a lot of they're, they're now winning team. A lot of people, like Jets reporters, are saying that they think Elijah Moore's being in, inactive this week just because they're because since the Jets were so displeased with his trade request. Yeah. And I mean, if they're well, they sent him home yesterday. And all it yeah, takes is day. one guy to get hurt on Sunday, and all of a sudden so they I'll, have to have Elijah right. Moore play next week. Right. Like, right. I is it impossible? Of course, it's not impossible. And if he's such a cancer that they feel the need that they have to get rid of them, then they will. But the Ravens typically have not been interested in those types of players that became such a cancer because then the thought is, what are you going to do here when you go two weeks without catching a ball? Like, what are you going to do to us if we trade for you and then you're unhappy for two weeks while we're winning that you didn't catch a ball? Like, this should be the best two weeks of someone's life to be a New York Jet. Like, it's been missed. This is... This is the peak. But he's winning. Of, he's not going right, to come out not, and he's say. Gonna make sure, he wants he, to make it very clear. Do not, not, do not report that I'm mad. Because I am not. I will not tell you that I'm mad. I, right. I will not. I'm not here tweeting that I'm mm. mad. Because we're winning. Because we're yeah, winning. Yeah. Everything's good. If the two best weeks in the history of the Jets <laughs> aren't enough for you to just be willing to go along with it, 
then what are you going to do the next place that you go? And that's I'm not saying it's why I'd be out on Elijah Moore, but I think the Ravens have always operated that way where, dude, if you are putting up a fight right now because you go a couple weeks without being heavily involved while the team's winning, yo, what what do you think? We're not promising you anything. We're not trading for you and telling you we're going to throw you the ball 10 times a game. Like that doesn't it, that don't work. It's not going to go that way. Am I opposed to Elijah Moore? I'm not opposed to it. But the idea that you can get from Elijah Moore what the Panthers have in DJ Moore, just because, again, you like them coming out of college, this is a thing that we do all the time. Where because we like the guy coming out of college, we say, well, he'd definitely be a star here. Well, we know the other guy's a star. We know that. There's no debate about that. There's a team that needed wide receivers that hasn't been able to figure out how to make it work with Elijah Moore, which doesn't mean they might not just be wrong. Once upon a time, we like to believe that was the case. Everybody on the planet thought Sam Darnold, as soon as he got away from Adam Gase, could just turn into the guy that we all thought he was going to be coming out of college, right? Every talking head, every idiot, and I count myself, and I, I was not on, in on Sam Darnold, but trust me, I believe myself to be quite the idiot, I, I was not... I would agree with that. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate that, Stan. Don't, don't sell yourself short. You're a tremendous slouch. Um, I was not on the Sam Darnold thing, but everybody else... Dude, the only problem there was Adam Gase. Just get that guy away from Adam Gase. As soon as he's away, you're going to see this is the reason why we were all in love with Sam Darnold coming out of college. Adam Gase screwed him up. It's all his fault. No, Sam Darnold just stinks. Like, he's not an NFL quarterback. I get it. We all fall in love with guys coming out of the draft, and we just believe you know, him. He looked the part. You Sam Donald definitely looks, looked the part. Yeah. There's no question. Now, the whole thing where he was seeing ghosts, you know, questionable. <laughs> made, us, made us really think yeah, about what it was. That. that I couldn't believe how quick we were to dismiss that, right? We're like, hey, just get him down to Carolina, and I, he's going to show you. What about the part where he was seeing ghosts? Well, on the field. The quarterback that I thought was really going to do well there is Baker Mayfield. I yeah, mean, I, I thought I, I thought Mayfield I, I thought was going to go there like, highly yeah. motivated, and they apparently have already in seven weeks Ooh, they know. of watching him. Oh, he's been awful. Yeah, he's, he's been, been atrocious. Yeah. He's been horrendous. But we fall in love with guys that we liked coming out of the draft. I miss his commercials. The Baker Mayfield commercials. I did like the buddy cop thing he had going with Alice Cooper. I do kind of miss that a yeah. little bit. I got to know Alice Cooper a little bit in Phoenix. One of the nicest human beings that I have ever come across. He did a nationally syndicated radio show from our cluster uh, that I worked at in Phoenix. And he knew everybody in the building. He would, like... Hey, man, uh, Orioles, right? Like, <laughs> You know, Alice Cooper was my wife's doctor. Really? Yeah. <laughs> she, she was. Really? In, yeah, not that Alice. At Duke. She um, was uh, Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper, also a really good golfer. Like, an insanely good golfer. Yeah. Like, an extraordinarily... And he would invite you out to play golf. Hey, what are you guys doing next Tuesday? You want to come out and play golf with me? He was just the nicest guy in the world. Um, anyway, sorry. The, the thing with Elijah Moore is... could. Could, could he be? Could you still figure out a way to, to get there? Sure. But you do have to do serious stock on why it is that a team that was trying to figure things out offensively hasn't been able to make it work with Elijah Moore. you got to figure that out and see what that is. And just assuming that, again, get him somewhere else and he can go right back to being the guy that you thought he was going to be, maybe? Like, maybe. 
But I'm never working where, under those assumptions. Where did the other receiver the Jets have, Denzel Mims, yeah. where did he play college? T. Baylor? Yeah, Baylor. Yeah, Baylor. Baylor. Right. Baylor. Was he, and he's also a second rounder. Yeah, he was. And a, he's a year further he, removed. He was a guy that I was really interested in Baltimore because of, he was big and physical. Yeah. Like, he was a bigger, you thought that he would fit maybe a little bit more with the blocking and what we thought was a team that wanted to run the ball a ton. Like, okay. that was, I, I liked Denzel Mims. But again, I... This is a hubris thing. We do this all the time as fans. We are convinced that we are all NFL scouts and that we understand talent. And especially given the way the NFL draft has just become its own entity, its own sport during the course of the offseason. We think about the NFL draft. We obsess over the NFL draft. And we are convinced that we know how the NFL draft works. And if we liked someone, we couldn't possibly have been wrong about them. That's the way that we treat it. And... Maybe Elijah Moore still has something. I don't know. But I'm not I don't have enough hubris to think that because I liked Elijah Moore coming out of college, mm-hmm. that means that he's just going to be a star if the Ravens could go acquire him. There's right. a problem with Elijah Moore. Gotcha. I, I'm willing to take a chance just because I feel like he's cheaper than DJ Moore. He's still in a rookie contract. Right, but you still have to solve the problem. I, like yeah, I like that's the issue. I like, mean I he could come in here and be Andy Isabella, right? <laughs> like that's the issue with being like I can't DJ Moore, you're paying for because you know the answer. There's no question about it. He is a star NFL wide receiver. He is a high-level NFL wide receiver. Elijah Moore, maybe, maybe. I don't know. There's a reason why he's cheaper. Maybe. Again, I still don't know why the Jets are, are moving on from him. Like that. Well, they haven't said they're moving on. They've from said. Him. The, in fact, what they've said is the exact opposite. They said. You know, or they've told reporters there's no no reason. Right. We have no interest in trading him. Why would you when you're competitive right now, when you're playing good football? Why would you be interested in dealing him? And I, it's a very reasonable question to me. Why would they be interested in dealing him? How frustrated are you, Stan? You're going to go to the game on Sunday, I'm assuming. Uh, I'm not. I gave my oh. tickets up this Sunday to uh, my cousin. Well, the Browns aren't good enough for you? You're like, I go to the real games. I'm not interested in the Browns game. Uh Okay. In so many, in so many words, yeah. I looked okay. ahead and I said, oh, "Browns game yeah. looks like a good week okay. off." Yeah. Uh, uh, real quick, today's show also brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, which is if you're like Stan and you're not going to the game on Sunday because you said, "I'll eh, be watching it." The best um, place to watch and bet on all the games is in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Of course, that's the reason I'm not going. You're going to go down Sunday, yeah. spend your day camped out, enjoying the delicious food at Sports and Social, betting on all the games. Griffin, wanna... Griffin and I are going down. That's weird. I didn't get that invite. That's very strange how that We know worked. you're busy on Sunday. I am very busy on Sundays. I am a very busy well, man Matter of fact, Sundays. you're busy every day. Anymore, this is, I don't know what it is about this fall in particular, but my brain has been spinning. I've been so busy. Uh, FanDuel Sportsbook, Live Casino and Hotel. Same Game Parlay Plus available now. You can put up to 25 legs in your Same Game Parlay bet. And also, you can register any $25 futures bet on the Super Bowl to win a pair of tickets to the Super Bowl in Arizona. FanDuel.com slash SB in AZ in order to find out more. How? Where are you frustration-wise at this point, Stan? With the Ravens? Yeah. Um, Sunday's game was more frustrating for me than... Than the other two losses, the one to Miami, and who was the second one we lost? Buffalo. Buffalo. Uh, th- this one was really because I thought we pl- we we outplayed the Giants the entire game, but yet when you looked, you said, you know, when, when we kicked that field goal to go up, I said, boy, I wish we had scored a touchdown there, because it just felt like 
we were going to let them back in the game. Mm. And I, I that's the pivotal moment to me is the fact that we didn't get a touchdown. Are, you, are you worried that this thing is now like who they are, that it's this thing where they've given up three different double-digit second-half leads, that it's yeah. in their DNA, it's a story of the 2022 Ravens that they're not going to be able to shake? Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I wax and wane on what the reasons are, but I keep going back to that that central thing that the Ravens were unable to do, which is put uh, Lamar Jackson's name on a contract. And I can't help but believe in some level that that is playing on this entire thing inside Lamar's head. That that's sort of where he threw that ball because he wants to, he just wants to do something sensational. We've talked a lot, uh, Reed and I over the years about, Lamar not liking to take what's in front of him like he's just never been the type of player that wants to take this short underneath you know it's there that was maybe the biggest problem we go back to the Miami game a year ago which is maybe his worst game as a pro and then you go back and you look at the film and you're like there are throws there they're available to be made and even on the fumble at the end of the game against the Giants everybody's trying to beat up Greg Rowan about the play call he's got a wide open receiver six yards in front of him camped out on the sideline with plenty of time to find him and make the throw, but he zeroes in on Mark Andrews the entire time, never gets over there, and by the time he starts going through his progressions, he ends up being sacked and loses the ball, and the game's yeah. over at that point. Um, I, for whatever reason, the short thing, and, and that's why I don't know if it's specifically the contract. One of the theories that's been floated out to me by someone who knows Lamar a, bit, a little bit better than I do is, you know, in Lamar's mind, if I need six yards, I can just go get it myself. I'm not... I'm not going to, to take a quick read to someone who's six yards in front of me because the six yards will always – I'm Lamar Jackson. The six yards will always be there. I want to see a play develop for a little bit longer yeah. and try to hit a home run, well, and then if not, then I'll go get the six yards what myself. Was fr- what was frustrating about that play call that ended up uh, – you know, and now, now I'm, I'm sort of confusing – the, the play call down at the goal line. Mm-hmm. Where they, where they, uh, what did they do on that play? Well, they, they ran three plays from the five. Right. And they were all three incomplete passes. The first one was the one that was tipped that Mark Andrews, you know, had his hands on in the right. end zone um, and didn't catch. Again, admitting it was tipped, but still the ball hit him in the hands in the end zone and he didn't catch the ball. The second one, I don't remember. It was another throw. I don't remember what the circumstance. The third one was the one right at the goal line that should have been a pass interference right. that went uncalled, which is kind of the difficult part about criticizing. Like It's easy to say, well, you had th- the ball three plays in the five-yard line and you didn't run once. Right. Right, but you you weren't ran two plays that worked. I, it's tough. Like it's, I, I agree you should it's probably tough, have run the but, ball. But, but to not assume you, the guy that's the defensive coordinator of the team you're playing used to work for you. Mm-hmm. And you know what his tendencies are, which are to, to blitz the mm-hmm. holy hell out of you. Mm-hmm. And I, it just seems like not trying a run somewhere in there is is a mistake to me. I, I, I am probably inclined to agree. Yeah. It's tough. It really is tough because the ball hit Mark Andrews in the hands, yeah. right? Like, I... To say, would you have had a better chance of scoring a touchdown if you ran the ball than having a ball hit Mark Andrews in the hands in the end zone? I, in theory, I get it. Like in theory, I I understand why we say 
hey, you were, you were having great success on the ground. Run the ball more. In theory, I don't disagree with that. But if I really have to sit there and say, on one side, you run the ball. On the other side, Mark Andrews, hands, end zone. Yep. Which is the more likely scenario for you to score a touchdown? It's Mark Andrews' hands I, in the end zone. You know, yeah, like yeah. it's a it's a tough yeah. it's a tough thing for me yeah. to say. Hey, when that didn't work, you had second down. Maybe on second down, he try to run the ball there. Yeah. I don't disagree. I don't. I don't disagree that like perhaps you go back to you ran a play that worked, but it didn't convert. It seems maybe like that would have been a time the to maybe try one of those little shuffle passes, you know, that, that you see Patrick it's my, it's Mahomes. my, it's my favorite play. Well, they've done yeah. it already this yeah. year. It's my favorite play in all of football. Yeah. I don't know. Well, other than... It's almost unstoppable. Who, who failed with it on fourth down recently? Somebody tried to run it on fourth down and didn't convert, and I can't remember who it was. It might have even been in a, in a Ravens game. It might have even been... Oh, God, it's going to drive... Did the Bengals try one of those? The Bengals they, they, tried one yeah, of those on Sunday night on fourth down. They tried one of those underneath. Against who? Against the Ravens against on, in the, the Sunday Ravens. night game, okay, yeah. and it didn't work for them. But it seems like it always works. Yeah. It seems like it's the most successful play in the history of football, and we all love it. We all yeah. eat it up. It's the anti-fade uh, in the end zone, where every time you throw a fade, we all say, it never works, <laughs> ignoring all the times that it does. And it, it's not like yeah. a fade has never worked, right. but we are convinced that it never works, and we are absolutely convinced that every time you do that spread out and then drop back the shovel pass into the middle – it always works. Ever, always and You know, forever. I was listening, not that I make it a habit of listening to competition, but I was in my car mm. where I can't listen to you. Well, that's not true. I was listening. Well, I, then I got to get to the <laughs> well, phone, and I'm driving. To, we're not, so I'm, I'm listening look, to Vin. I, I hate you. I'm you listening. <laughs> I understand that. But I am the grand poobah. That's true. Uh, but I'm listening to Vinny and Haney, and they had on a former those, those guest. Those bums. A former guest of your show, Marty Morning. Yeah, I like Marty a lot. Yeah. And they talked about, Vinny said, remember we used to do that, uh, that thing with Steve Young where he threw the ball to the trash can? You know, and I'm going, okay, but a trash can isn't moving. Right. But, but what they both explained very well was it's not just hitting – the trash can for accuracy it's hitting the trash can when it's you've got enough air on the ball to drop it in. that it right. drops in right. and spins around and lands in right. there right and lamar i would bet you a donut you know a donut and, and a this coffee this is a man who cares a great deal and about I, donuts and, a, and an iced and coffee. An ice coffee for my and an iced coffee Jeez. i bet you those that that lamar would be terrible with getting the ball not hitting the trash can He'd probably knock over trash cans. He'd probably rim them out. But the point of that exercise is lofting the ball correctly. And Lamar, that is the one thing. I'm not saying he's not accurate. This is different than accurate. This is putting the right touch on the ball. And I would say he's very poor at doing that. I don't know if I would say very poor, but I, I understand the theory. I understand the theory when of they what go you're for saying. bombs a lot of times. He like throws it. Well, we all it's think about the thing flat. from fourth down yeah. the other night and yeah. then against Cincinnati where they yeah. should have had the touchdown on the right side of the field. Like, yeah. I, there's definitely examples of throws that you're talking yeah. about where you just need to. You don't. 
If the guy's wide open, he's going to hit the guy. Right. But when the guy's wide open and it's on the run, you got to throw it the right trajectory. Uh, It was pointed out to me. uh, Chris sends me this tweet from Jeremy Fowler of ESPN. The Panthers also have received multiple trade calls on their other top playmaker, wide receiver DJ Moore, per sources. But the team has considered Moore a foundational piece to the roster. That would make a trade tough to execute. Well, and you brought up the point that they're going to move on from Baker Mayfield and Sam Darno. So you don't want to bring in a new quarterback and then say, oh, we should have get out there. You're a great quarterback. Yeah, go try to develop. Have have some players. Throwing the ball to no one. Throwing the ball to absolutely no one. Also, there was a mad scramble to pick up Donta Foreman on uh, Fantasy Football Waiver Wires last night. I don't think Donta Foreman's going to be someone you're actually going to want to play. Like, the Panthers stink. They're terrible. Yeah, I think it's just I, an offense you don't start. Yes, I all. think you stay away from the Carolina Panthers as much. At this point, unfortunately, you probably can't even start DJ Moore. Like, that's the – DJ Moore, as good as he is, even he has not been able to survive the Panthers' offense. Yes, Micah? Yeah, that's the opposite of Stan's drill. It's like the trash can trying to throw the ball out to the receivers. The Baker <laughs> that's Mayfield what's going on. You know what? That was actually a dynamite tip-in, Micah. That was really good. That's what the what's Carolina – the yeah. Carolina offense is it's the op- it's the trash can trying to throw. That was you know what man, well done. This guy's got well a done. future. He's in got this a business. he's he's going places. He's going somewhere. All right, today's show also brought to you by the all new Ginsu Kamado Grill. If you're headed to the game, unlike Stan, if you held on to your tickets, if you said, I'm by the way, hold on, I just want to be clear yeah. on something. Yeah. I did not sell my tickets. You gave my them cousin to Ron. No, we oh. gave them to our cousins. Okay. Uh, and we gave them four tickets to go to the game. We do it once a year. I'm, I'm not. I'm, yeah. just, I'm just having fun. No. I'm not really calling and Micah out knows. Him. Micah oh. knows my cousin's daughter. Oh, how about Stevenson. that? How about yeah. that? Wait a second. This. No, oh, no, your girlfriend goes to Mary Washington. Never mind. <laughs> I do know that. All right. Um, if you are ahead of the game on Sunday, stop by the game day firehouse ahead of the game at the uh, Firefighters Union Hall, 1202 Ridgely Street, just west of the stadium, and you can see the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill in action. Are you uh, spokesmodeling on Sunday, Griffin? Not this weekend. Not oh, this weekend. I'm okay. unavailable. But oh, oh. What are you doing? I'm dog-sitting for my aunt. Well, that's not as exciting as I other know. things. <laughs> I'm available to go do the Ginsu. You want to be the smokes bottle for the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill? You want to say maybe next home game? Yeah, right. Would you Would you guys like my sausage? Would you guys? That's exactly. You should let them borrow your uh, your your speedo. Uh, your oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> Although I don't think that men share speedos typically. I don't think that's the. I way don't it think works. Stan wouldn't mind. Mikey, you were a swimmer, right? You You don't uh, You don't share speedos, do you? That's not a. Thing. I never even wore a speedo, not once. Oh, because you guys they, the... they do this. Suits now, right? You don't, yeah, 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 but you don't want to share bathing suits. Yeah, you know. I think that's the smart play. Uh, get out there. You can try uh, some uh, cooking from the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill. You can also register to win your own Ginsu Kamado Grill and $500 worth of grilling meats when you stop by the Game Day Firehouse at the Firefighters Union Hall, 1202 West Ridgely Street, before the Ravens game. $500 of beef is like, what, like four hamburgers? Well, anymore. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Biden. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Oh, well, Biden. Gri- Griffin ate twenty-eight dollars of Taco Bell the other day, and he said to himself, "I could eat. I could yeah. still." It's like anybody want to go to lunch? Said, you guys are nuts. Uh, again, stop by and use the code uh, tailgate at ginsugrills.com. You get one hundred dollars off your order of an all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill. Tyler Kepner joins us next. We're going to talk uh, some baseball, some World Series, the grandest stage. It's on the way. Glenn Clark Radio. 
Have you been to Guilford Hall Brewery? Located in Baltimore's Station North neighborhood, Guilford Hall Brewery breaks the craft brew mold with their great handcrafted microbrews and amazing Bavarian-style food selections. Join Guilford Hall seven days a week for Orioles, Ravens, and all of your favorite college games. Make plans now to watch the big games, play trivia, or bring your dog for yappy hour. They even have free valet service on Friday and Saturday nights. Go to guildfordhall.com for a complete schedule of events, beer listings, and food and drink specials. We'll see you at Guilford Hall Brewery. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. What's up, everyone? This is Tyus Bowser, and I'm excited to tell you that I'm back with season two of the Tyus Bowser Show in partnership with Pressbox and Great Ace Memorabilia. Join us on Tuesday nights throughout the season as I'll be heading all over town with my special guests. And of course, our co-hosts, Glenn and Rita. What is it, Rita and Glenn? What is it? I look forward to meeting you guys and talking a little bit about football and a lot about life. And if you happen to miss the show, you can now catch a replay Friday nights on 1057 The Fan. Get all of your details for the Tyus Bowser Show right now at Pressbox the next Tyus Bowser show is Tuesday, November 1st at the Hamilton Sports Bar and Grill, 5506 Hartford Road. It's brought to you by Maryland Vascular Specialists and the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 11.40. FanDuel Sportsbook GM Leon Twyman and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 11.40, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports Brad Cronthal help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Glory Days Grill's Oktoberfest menu is now running. It's one of their most popular seasonal menus all year. It features the chicken schnitzel, the Oktoberfest brewer's platter, the brewer's sausage sandwich, the Bavarian burger with a pretzel bun, the cheddar ale soup, the slam dunk pretzels, and the apple cobbler. All of these meals pair well with Oktoberfest beers and Angry Orchard on draft. Dine in or order online at glorydaysgrill.com and pick up your favorites to take home. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. Check out Jeremy Kahn's daily picks at PressBoxOnline.com as he tries to find you daily winners. And speaking of winners, here's a man who once won a media curling contest. And I don't think anything else. He's Glenn Clark. All right, back in here on GCR. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a a range of models and trim lines. I'm telling you, man, you need to check them out because Toyota Tacoma looks sharp. You can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Stan the Fan Charles with us on a Friday edition of GCR. Stan, we're going to talk some baseball right now. Our next guest has been a longtime baseball writer for the New York Times, and he has a new book out. It's called The Grandest Stage. And we are going to link up to it on our Twitter account, at Glenn Clark Radio. It's all about the World Series. And as I've started reading it, it really comes across to me as a, a love letter to the World Series. 
He is Tyler Kepner, and he is with us now here on GCR. Tyler, it's Glenn Clark and Stan the Fan Charles in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you. Thank you for taking the time for us. Of course. Thank you for uh, asking, Glenn and uh, Stan. Nice to talk to you. Uh, Tyler, I'm really, and I was just talking to Stan about this before, as I have you know, dove into the book, I think it jumps off the page to us here in Baltimore. It really feels like the 1983 World Series plays a very significant role in, in the fondness that you have for the World Series as a whole. I don't want you to give away, obviously, the entirety of the book, but would you be willing to share a little bit about being a kid growing up in Philadelphia and how despite the fact the Phillies lost that series, and we're quite happy about that here, um, <laughs> it, it was so meaningful to you? Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, it's funny. I, I covered the Yan- Yankees for a long time, and uh, <clears throat> Ken Singleton was one of their broadcasters, and I would always ask him about that series and joke with him that I think about the 83 World Series more than he did, and he <laughs> actually played in it. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it was, I went to the, I was eight years old and I went to games, uh, four and five at the vet in Philadelphia. Um, and you know, the first game was an afternoon game and the second was a, a twilight start. It was like perfect for a kid. Um, yes, the Phillies lost both games, of course. Um, but it really was a formative experience, um, getting to, getting to go to world series that early, that young, um, and to have it be so vivid in my memory, um, you know, really, really emphasized just how special the event was, um, you know, didn't come back to Philadelphia until I was in college. So, um, 10 years isn't all that long. I mean, I know I'm talking to an Oriole audience, but, uh, you know, when, when you think about, you know, being eight and then being 18, like your, your, your life's completely changed. So, um, it, it really just, um, made me. One of the big things that made me such a, a a fan of baseball, the idea that, you know, my city, my stadium is the stadium. Now everybody's watching it. You know, there's a blimp mm-hmm. overhead. There's all, all these events are going to be documented and part of baseball history with their own lines and the baseball encyclopedia. You know, so it was just, it was really um, special and it started a lifelong uh, love of uh, of the World Series. Tyler, uh, the 83 World Series, very special for me for a different reason. I did talk radio in Baltimore for 20 years. I'm 70 now. I was 30, and that was my first year having my own show on the radio, the station that the Oriole games were on. And we thought that that was kind of like our birthright here in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. We were in four World Series from 66 to 83, and we have not been back to a World Series in. You know, I'm 70 now. I was 30 then. It's it's Crazy. not easy. It's not an easy thing to get to, is it? No, it's 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 really not. And um, you know that's why certain teams who who got there a lot, you know, the Giants recently, and the Red Sox, and, and uh, the Yankees in, around the turn of the century. Um, you know, are, are just so really a statistical anomaly because it, it is very hard. We just look right now. We have, how good have the Dodgers been? Uh, how good have the Astros been? Um, and they've they've been three times each, but they've only won one. Um, so it's the Mets, those great Mets teams in the 80s, uh, only won one. The Braves in, in the 90s only won one. So um, it's tough to it's tough to get there. It's really tough to win. Um, and, and, you know, you, you got to break through when you have that shot. I mean, I, I think of that, I covered that 14 ALCS and it was, um, it was going to be really special whoever won because Kansas city hadn't been to the series since the mid eighties and, and, and Baltimore since 83. And obviously the Royals won, but, um, 
those are the times you've really got to take advantage of those shots, especially yep. you know, in a market like that. They don't always come around very often. Yeah, it's a great point that Stan's, Stan brings up, and I know that you referenced that, that, like, you know, for Cal Ripken, here he is as a rookie, right? Like, or not a rookie, it was his second year. Second but, year. Yeah. You know, he's still very young in his career, and, you know, this might be a life ahead of what you're going to do. Cal Ripken, one of the greatest baseball players of all time, never got to taste it again, never got further than a league championship series the rest of his career. It's it's really incredible. And there was a – even, I think, in the introduction, you, like, read through some of the list of names. You're like, wow, that guy – really? Like, that guy really never made it to a World Series. That's insane to think back on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I talked in, in, in that intro to, to – uh, a Phillies pitcher named Marty Bystrom, who pitched um, in relief in Game Five against the Orioles, and and uh, and started Game Five and eighty against the Royals, and you know he didn't have very much of a, a very long career, but he talked about how after the Phillies he went to the Yankees and he was playing with uh, Phil Necro. That's right. And Mar- Marty is twenty six and Phil Necro's forty six, and he's he's won three hundred games, he's done everything, he could, and he never played in the World Series. You know, and Phil Necro's brother played forever, and he pitched like one inning in the world, one or two innings in the world series for the twins in 87. So, you know, it just doesn't happen for a lot of guys. Um, you know, some guys, Ken Griffey jr. I mean, what a, what a career he had Roy Halladay, um, you know, Ichiro and Edgar, uh, with the, I mean, obviously the Mariners never made it. Um, so, you know, a lot of like Ryan Sandberg go on and on Ernie Banks. Um, so it's, it can be tough to get there. I mean, the 91 hall of fame class, Fergie Jenkins, Gaylord Perry, and uh, and, and Rod Carew. Perry and Rod Carew. Rod Carew, and they yeah. all never, and none of those guys made it. I mean, you're talking about a three thousand game, a three thousand hit guy, a three hundred game winner, and another two hundred eighty four game winner. So pretty, pretty crazy to, get to think about it that way. We're talking with Tyler Kepner, whose new book on the World Series: A History of the World Series, the Grandest Stage. It's uh, it's published by uh, Random House. Random House. Yep, available Random right House. Now. It's available right now. I wanted to ask you a question. I have not read the book. I'm being honest with you. I'm doing one day a week mm-hmm. uh, on talk radio. I will try and read it, though. Um, one player that I remember, Johnny Padres, I think it was, that said that greatness in, it the, at, the, at the most important times, it's, it's not elevating your game. It's not receding from your game. Which way do you find from talking to a lot of World Series players? Which of those statements seems correct? I think I think it, it's 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 right. It's not about elevating the game. It's about being being yourself and being uh, being able to stay stay calm enough to to generate what you usually do. Um, and we see that in certain guys who we perceive as like super clutch, massively clutch. Um, given enough time, they're basically who they are, which is which is great. You know, like Derek Jeter, people think, oh, Derek Jeter always came through in the clutch. Derek Jeter had uh, the equivalent of a full season in the postseason, and he had the exact same kind of season that he would ordinarily have. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he had the uh, just about the exact same average on-base slugging. Uh, he had 200 hits. I mean, he was just, you know, you look Justin Verlander right now, and I know he, he has not done so well in the World Series, actually, but on, on the whole, yeah. He's made, I think, 32 stars, and he's 15 and 11, and that would work out just perfectly within a Verlander sort of career. So it's that ability to, to be who you are. And again, about 83, I talked to Mike Schmidt, um, and he was very candid about how in 1980 he was, he was relaxed mentally. They had gotten through the Astros. They had finally broken through to the series, and he was great. He won MVP of the 80 World Series. Three years later, same stage of his career, 
for whatever reason, um, he got inside his head and he was one for 20 with a broken bat single <laughs> against Storm Davis. And that was it. He wasn't going to right field with anything. He wasn't drawing walks. He was just trying to do too much and, and be the man. And baseball's not that kind of sport. Um, so, yeah, so, so Schmidt, there's a guy, greatest third baseman of all time. Um, I'm in agreement with Tyler. I love Brooks Robinson, but I'm in agreement with you. I'm in agreement with you. Thank you. Yeah, but yeah, one one great series, one one awful series, and then it could happen to the same guy. Oh boy, this is getting this just got a lot really uncomfortable for a lot of reasons. You and I might have to have this out, Tyler. If we could, I guess you don't say that in Kansas City, and you don't say that in in Baltimore mostly. Those are those are fighting words. Those are fighting words around here. Um, Tyler, if I could, Stan and I were, were joking. Um, are you prepared to do an addendum uh, after 2025 about the the Baltimore Orioles finally ending their four decade long drought and winning a World <laughs> Series? Are you prepared to to revisit the the, the grandest stage in a couple of years? Yeah, I would love it. I mean, you know, Camden Yards is such a treasure. It remains that way after 30 years, and um, just the idea that 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 is place has never hosted a world series is 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 sad in a way and and but it also now just builds to something that's going to be so special when it finally does i feel the same way about pittsburgh i mean those those ballparks are so special those teams have such extraordinary history and to think of a world series coming to a ballpark that's such an integral part of downtown would be so special and the season they had this year nobody saw coming it reminded me a little bit from a distance of 1989 and um, yeah. you know where 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 it came out of nowhere, it came up just short. They got to build off it though, because ninety and ninety one weren't so good in Baltimore. But, um, but I think they will. I mean, I, I hope they will, because I hope they spend and 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 they keep this momentum going, because they've got some good young players and uh, they've got some foundational pieces. But you're leaving out one of the great moments in Camden Yards history is Robert Andino's hit ah, yes. to to knock the Red yeah, Sox out. They, yeah. they actually oh, yeah. that, they actually play up that as some kind of special moment. In stadium history here. Hey, man, we haven't had a lot. It's just uh, the way that it goes. I it's, get it, though. I mean, I get it. Like, yep. you know, in, in 86, the Phillies, the Phillies had the, you know, they, the Mets were going to win, of course. But, like, the Mets came to Philadelphia uh, in late September, mid-September, really, with a chance to win one game to, to celebrate on the Phillies' turf to go to the playoffs. And the Phillies just took it to them. They smoked them three games in a row. And if you're a fan, like, that's the kind of stuff that does matter. Okay, you know you're not going to win. But like, if you can make your rival unhappy um, and embarrassed, that's pretty fun too. And that was a great night for the Orioles. I, I get that, man. I get it totally. Hey, uh, you missed uh, being at uh, Jim Palmer's last win uh, as a major mm-hmm. league pitcher, which was the Friday night game, game three of that World Series. He won it in relief yep. in Philadelphia. Did you get to talk to Jim for this book? I thought he I did, read for yeah. sure. Yeah, and and what were his remembrances of of the series? Because his biggest series moment wasn't his last victory; it was his first World Series victory against Sandy Koufax. Yeah, absolutely. We talk about them both. You know, being a twenty year old kid, um, you know, eating his pancakes in the morning of Game Two out there in L.A., and how important it was to him that they won Game One because he showed him that. Uh, Hey, this Dodger team can be beaten. You know, it, it, we, I just saw it last night. I saw that Brooks and Frank could hit some home runs and, and, and we could get some good pitching and we could beat the Dodgers. So why not me? I just saw it. So I'll do it again. And he did. And he was a 
cocky young kid who wanted to pitch a second shutout in that series, but they swept him. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and then 83, he's the grand old man, and, and, and nothing was really expected of him, and went out there and got two innings, and, you know, that happened. He happened to be the pitcher of record when uh, Ivan Jesus made a big error on a, on a wet turf, and Danny Ayala got a hit and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, so it was great. It was, it, was, it was cool for Jim that he had those bookend moments. You know, um, the, He's the, a treasure, man. I love that guy. Tyler, you know, the 66 World Series, the game that he beat Koufax, that was the famous game that Willie Davis, mm-hmm. who was a, as good as mm-hmm. you could get yep. in center field, made two or three errors. Yep. And I'll never yep. forget about two or three weeks after the series, there was a Bob Hope special, and he was Bob Hope was doing his monologue, and he said, uh, the Dodgers just left for a trip to Japan, uh, but they handed Willie Davis his ticket, and he dropped it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was that – was, you know, that's one of those things, guys. Like, I, I remember reading in a, in, a, in a book when I was a kid, like at the library. I was maybe 10 years old. It had, like, you know, baseball stars of, of whatever. And the, the last line of the little Sandy Koufax passage was, Sandy Koufax's last game was lost in the sun. And uh, I always remember yeah. that. Like, oh, that's good. You know, like it's just it was a, it was a un, uh, you know not a great way for a great pitcher to go out, but uh, you know, Palmer was better, and it, it set Palmer on his way. I happen to remember that was in Chapter One of the Grandest Stage. You can read more about it, um, uh, Tyler. Quickly, I know you probably have to do a million more of these, but if I could, you just alluded to the Orioles maybe spending money. Um, are are what do you think that looks like? They keep saying all the right things and. It's liftoff from here, Mike Elias says. What do you think that looks like? And I, I, I'm still not thinking that it's a Carlos Correa or a Carlos Rodon. I still struggle to believe that it's the top of the free agency market. But is there a path to you that makes sense given what they have for closing the gap and being able to compete with the Yankees and the Rays and the Blue Jays next year? Well, I don't see any reason why it shouldn't be. Um, I mean, they, 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 they brought the payroll way down. Um, they've got, you know, fan interest. It's, it's an amazing baseball town. You just give them something to cheer for. So, uh, you know, they, they move the fences back, so it's much more appealing to a pitcher if you give them the money. Now, if you're, gonna, if you're talking about the Carloses, you're going to have to deal with Scott Boris, and, and, and that's top dollar. Um, but, I mean, look at the teams in the NLCS, which I'm covering right now. I mean, the Orioles, the, the uh, Padres spent $300 million on Manny Machado, and they kept adding, right? They mm-hmm. kept getting um, big guys. The Phillies spent 330 on, on Harper, and they kept adding with Real Muto and Wheeler and Schwarber. And not to say that free agency always works. It certainly does. We can, we can think of plenty of examples. But if you pick the right guys, it can really elevate a franchise that, you know, these teams have not been in the LCS for you know, 24 years for the Padres and, and, and 12 for the Philadelphia um, that can be a, a real speed up process for a rebuilding team. And I would, I think there's no, I mean, I don't have access to the Orioles books, but to me, there's no excuse. They can't go out and get whoever they want to get. Tyler, you got time for one more real sure. quick. Uh, you, you covered the Yankees quite a bit and you know, Joe Girardi, um, this has got to be kind of a blow to his ego. Uh, what happened to him in Philadelphia? Uh, do you see him rebounding to ever manage again? I'm not sure. I mean, it's 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 a little strange because uh, when he took over the Yankees in, in 08, it was sort of like, oh, here's a a young guy, you know, recently off the field, and and he's got the uh, you know, he's a baseball lifer, but also he knows knows the modern stats and everything. And, and it's interesting, sort of how quickly guys get passed over. Um, 
you know, he got the chance here in Philadelphia when they were looking for a, you know, quote unquote proven winner mm-hmm. um, type of guy. And that's really not the formula that, that necessarily works. I mean, you look at like, you know, Joe Madden, it didn't, it didn't really work out in Anaheim and, and, and Girardi here. Now you can say Dusty's worked out perfectly in, in, in Houston um, so far, but I don't know. I mean, I would tend to think, I would tend to think no. He's, he's managed three places before. Yep. He's won a championship. But the fact that it didn't work out with the Phillies and that they responded so well yeah. to the next guy, Rob Thompson, it, it doesn't, it, it's not a good selling point um, for a guy who's had three chances already. The Grandest Stage is the book. It's outstanding. Can't at, wait to read it. At Tyler Kapner on Twitter is how you follow him. Tyler, really enjoying it. I can't wait to read more of it. Thank you so much for spending a few minutes with us this morning. Oh, of course. Thanks a lot, guys. The Orioles are a, are a great, uh, you know, big part of the World Series lore, and I was, I was happy to to tell some of those stories. It's a neat story how it, it intertwines with your life. I really enjoyed that, man. Go Phillies. Go Phillies. I don't know how to feel about that. Pre- <laughs> right. Appreciate yeah, it, Tyler. Like Thanks, right. man. Um, uh, Tyler Kepner joining us here on GCR. I know he's doing uh, one of those radio tours. He's got a hundred uh, d- yep. interviews that he's got to do as he's promoting the book. Um, really, a lot of fun. How he sets—he literally sets up the entirety of the story. It's kind of this love affair. It, we've had uh, uh, two authors on. We had Tyler Dunn, who wrote this book about tight ends this um, this week. This is one of the best authors, Tyler's. Tyler's. I've always said yeah. nobody beats a Tyler yeah. when yeah. it comes to writing a book. Was Tyler? Was that part of the uh, the legendary George Carlin rant? Do you remember his rant about men's names? Not he was like, what's happened to us? <laughs> we used to have real names, like, and now Joe. we're Skyler, and we're... Like, yeah, right? Like, I'm not sure. I don't remember if Tyler was one of the was on parts that list. Of the riff, yeah. It was a, Oh, my God. It was one of the great... It, Frank. It's, it's so nonsensical. <laughs> like, why was that something... That, but it was brilliant, because George Carlin, of course, was brilliant. Um, but uh, this Tyler Kepner book, it really... It, literally sets up around the 83 world series and him being a kid and feeling those feelings of like i'm at the thing i'm this place the Mm -hmm. place where i come to on tuesday nights during the summer with my dad this is the center of the universe right now and why it made him fall in love with the idea of the world series it's a really neat story eight years old yeah Mm. and he uses to set the whole thing up encourage you to read it it's a very good read uh, Stan, you had a really interesting guest last night on uh, Facebook Live. Yeah, uh, Gary Stein and I hosted Charles Kithgart, who has started the uh, a company called African Di- Diaspora uh, Maritime ADM, a- right? ADM, and it's a, a company. They they are an LLC. Uh, they are going to have they're they're attempting to raise the funding to build an America's Cup sailing vessel here and use predominantly black um you know crew, design, right, crew yeah. and designers and everything uh and it's a pretty amazing story because the i would urge people to uh if you're not familiar with this at all to look look it up on our facebook page or on our website yep. pressboxonline.com under the video yep. tag or under my name under columns uh but uh they play, he plans to raise the seed money and eventually the the actual money to really build the ship and get this going through the release of a uniform and he likens it to the fact that the Nigerian World Cup soccer team about 10 years ago raised 270 million dollars 270 million selling 3 was it 3 million jerseys 
at ninety dollars a okay, jersey. Okay, yeah, I do yeah. vaguely remember yeah. this. Yes, so uh, it's pretty crazy. He's not suggesting he's right. going to raise that much money because the, the World Cup is trying a bigger to, but stage. But you're trying to break into it. You know, you raise twenty, thirty million. Yep, it goes you a long certainly way. Certainly got a no long, way, a long way going toward it. And so, he's a very compelling guy. And a very interesting guy. You can find that again right now. Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports, YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline, or go to PressBoxOnline.com slash video. Or if you missed Stan and Ross Grimsley talking to a Boog pal, speaking of guys who know a thing or two about we a World Series. We had a great series, time talking to Boog. You can find those shows right now. Ravens-Browns coming up on Sunday here in Baltimore. Our next guest is a friend of ours. He's a three-time Super Bowl champion. He's now part of the Browns radio crew. He is our guy, Mr. Gerard Cherry, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Gerard, it's Glenn and Stan in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you as always, man. Thank you for taking the time for us. No problem, guys. Before I get off this call, you guys got to give me a great steak place to go to oh, well, I will be in town for the game. Oh, I'll text you. We'll send you a text afterwards. Well, I, I we got we got places we can we can guide you towards that we highly suggest. We will make sure that happens. Um Gerard, it's a weird thing, right? Where at the beginning of the season, the Browns look like they might be a team that could, you know, survive uh going 10 weeks without Deshaun Watson. They could become a a threat and could be really dangerous when they got Deshaun Watson back. The last few weeks, and in particular last week against the Patriots, they look like a mess. Um, which are they? Are they the team that looked competitive early on, or are they closer to the team that we saw a week ago that just sort of got their butts kicked by your old friends in New England? <laughs> Great question. Earlier I asked you about a steakhouse, and the Browns of late have looked like chopped liver, no doubt about it. And, <laughs> the, sad, and the sad part about it is, is that the offense has been doing fairly well, but we finally had a situation here where all three phases did not complement each other, but for the most part insulted each other, didn't help the cause whatsoever, and you took a average to okay team in the Patriots, and they blew us out 38-15. to 15. So it was abysmal home game, fans booing after the game and upset, and just right now there's a lot of turmoil in the locker room. You have particular players, and John Johnson, who came out and simply said, guys are too, too quick, fast, in a hurry to, to get out of practice and get home or out of the facility and aren't taking care of business is what he was alluding to. So to hear that was one astonishing to me. But to know it's actually the case because a player said it makes it even worse and more of an indictment of what's going on right now. Because the Browns have a youth movement, and you're right, in that early on you would say, okay, they'll write the ship, they'll hold on to Deshaun Watson gets here. But I'm here to tell you, if they don't win this game this Sunday, the season is likely over. Wow. Wow. It's a pretty strong statement about well, what they'd football. They'd be two and five, yeah, right? They'd, yeah. be, in, they'd yeah. be in a world of hurt. There's no doubt about it. Um, when it's gone right, obviously, I think Nick Chubb, not surprisingly, has sort of been at the center of it. Uh, complicated history between the Ravens and Nick Chubb. Uh, he had one of his more massive games in his history against the Ravens a few years ago, in fairness. It was a game where Brandon Williams didn't play. When Brandon Williams was on the field, typically the Ravens were pretty competitive against Nick Chubb over the years. Brandon Williams is gone. The Ravens do still appear to be pretty stout up front. Um, what do you make of the matchup between Nick Chubb and the Ravens' run defense, which I think we would say has probably been their stronger unit defensively so far? It's definitely been a stronger unit, but I must be frank with you. When I watch the Ravens on tape, it doesn't remind me of the days of old. I don't get sure. that domineering presence that you would see in that intimidation factor 
that the Ravens are known for, especially in how they stop the run and get after offenses in the passing game as well. So Nick Chubb, if utilized and given the opportunity, is a premier running back. He's, he's at the top of the class. He's in his prime right now. The question remains, will we try to outsmart you from a schematic standpoint on offense, or will we simply say, you know what, Ravens, let's get into old-fashioned who's the tougher team football game in which we're going to run it ad nauseum and dare you to try to stop it and see if you can stop it. Of yet we, of late, rather, we have not been committed to that approach, and we've gone with the intermixing of pass and run, which I understand because of the importance of having a balanced attack and what that can do. Gerard, I'm just curious uh, if you're if you're a broadcaster worth his salt. I'm imagining you've watched a lot of tape of the Ravens. H- have you? Yes, I have. All right. Um, what do you think is wrong with the Ravens right now? <laughs> well, uh, I want to get more of a neutral yeah. opinion yeah. than somebody. Yeah. Well, for, well, I'm going to go way back. I, I, for me, I put some credence to this idea of the disconnect between. Lamar Jackson, and the organization. Because as a former player, when a player of his magnitude is going through a contract issue and he represents what's supposed to be right about your organization, he's a face of the organization, and then you tell him that he's not worth X amount of dollars, that sends a message to the rest of the locker room that they're not worth anything. And we can't ever get the two confused in that, Guys, yes, still pay for play for a paycheck. And when you tell a Lamar Jackson he's not worth something, guys, hear that, understand that, and question that, your level of commitment to them. Because if you're not committed to him, then how in the hell are you going to be committed to me one day when I go into that, my agent at least goes in there because obviously Lamar doesn't have one, and asks about my worth. So that creates problems. And then from a schematic standpoint, I think you fired Martindale for have a, to just basically have someone to fall on the sword for last year's misgiving mm-hmm. and that hasn't went well so you have a situation once again where people are questioning loyalty and when you have those questions going on in your locker room forget about what you're doing from whether or not you're going to run a three four or a four or three or if lamar is going to run the rpos you got to deal with those issues first so now let's deal with those issues of what i see well i basically see of late lamar being pretty much targeting one guy andrews and it's been successful but you're you need to spread the ball out more. I also see Lamar taking unnecessary chances and being very friendly and with the football, and that's not a good thing. And then when I shift over to – and not really committing to the run as well, Drake I think is phenomenal. And if you guys run him against us and consistently with that and give him more than 10 carries, I have a feeling you'll win this football game. Mm. But that's, that's one side of the, of the equation. Now I go to the defense. Looking at the defense, guys in the secondary are still making plays. But where's the pass rush coming from? Who's getting to the quarterback? Who's that intimidating factor I was asking about? Queen does a good job, and I'm not asking him to be Ray Lewis by any stretch of imagination because that has to be one of the best to ever do it. But I just don't see that intimidating factor, and I also see the disconnect in that you go over a new system and a new guy there, and I think the issues of trust, not necessarily scheme, have more to do with what you guys are going through. I hope that kind of answers that's your question. A, that's a fascinating answer and, and lines up with some of what I said earlier in the show. Not exactly. But Gerard Cherry is with us here on GCR. We're getting ready for Browns-Ravens coming up on Sunday. Gerard, let me follow up on that. I'm going to guess that if the Ravens were to be up, like, you know, I don't know, 21 to 10 in the second half of this game on Sunday, you and, and Jim and Nathan, you'd probably say, yeah, well, that's happened a lot this season, and they've lost three of those games, and you would play <laughs> that into your storyline. 
Um, how how much do you think that's a factor that it becomes a part of team of a team's DNA going through something like that? It's it's easy to say, hey, the Ravens they're the number three DVOA DVOA team in all of football, right? Like statistically, mm-hmm. they are one of the best teams in the entire NFL. But this is this is they've done this three times this year where they've had double digit leads in the second half and couldn't finish things off. How much does it become part of your DNA as a football team? Like, how difficult might it be to shake that if the Ravens are in that spot against the Browns on Sunday? Uh, it's really difficult because as soon as something goes wrong, the first thing you'll say is, here we go again. Yeah. And, and the amazing thing about playing competitive sports, especially with football being a combat sport, is that your body wants to have reasons why it wants to check out and not sacrifice itself for the cause. And so one of the things you have these voices literally pop in your head in moments like this of doubt and, and no trust, and you have to shut it down. You have to quiet and you have to overcome it. And it's hard enough to beat an opponent, let alone trying to beat yourself. So that's really what you face in situations like this is, okay, as an individual, can I quiet the voice and not listen to it and continue to play at a high level? As a collective, being on a defense, special teams, or offense, can we do the same thing? Because you're hearing it, you're feeling it, and you're sensing it, but you have to overcome it. And obviously, to the credit of the Ravens, I mean, you can put a lot of that onus on one person, and that being Lamar Jackson. He had no business throwing that pass last week Insanity. in the Giants game. Right. Yeah. I mean, no business. Terrible. That's what you call doing too much times a million. <laughs> I mean, it's a bad snap. You roll back, and then you throw in the middle of the football field, and obviously he's going to get all the glory, and he's going to get all the blame. And in this case, rightfully so, he deserves it. But, yeah, I think it's really a matter of just overcoming those voices and knowing that you can't listen to that and you have to keep fighting for four quarters. I know that's been the Browns' problem, letting up at the wrong time instead of completely finishing the football game. Uh, uh, Gerard, I'm going to ask you another DNA question, and it's going to go back to your locker room, the Cleveland Browns' locker room. Uh, Do you think Haslam and the brain trust there, are they committed to Kevin Stefanski long-term? I mean, or or is this – could he be blamed if this season goes awry? I believe strongly they're committed to him. Now, if it ends up being a situation where they lose the rest of the games, then anything's up for grabs, right? Because right. you have to address that situation. But I really do believe that he's safe because he has a great working relationship with the GM as well as the president of operations and David D. Podesta and Andrew Barry is the GM. And I, and I see these guys interact and they're, and what Mr. Haslam calls, they're directly correct in that they believe in the importance of analytics. They believe in the guys that they have on the football field so much so the guys who've made repeatable mistakes have not been replaced. And that's the part that's fascinating me. And they're probably saying right now it's an issue of youth, which it is, but that's not an excuse for guys not taking their work home for them or guys making the same mistakes over and over again. So I think they're committed to them. And you can always, if you're Kevin Stefanski, if you're put on trial, throw, hey, I did not have the guy we paid 200 <laughs> something nine million dollars for and that had an impact right. on this as well yeah. and there is some truth to that too yep there's no doubt there's no doubt all right uh gerard before we let you go what's the roadmap sunday for the browns look i you know it's difficult to word use use words like upset when you're talking about a team that's three and three because you know they're three and three <laughs> but you know vegas installs the ravens as being six point favorites what's what's the roadmap what is the path for the browns to come into baltimore and quote unquote upset the ravens on sunday uh, you're going to have to run the football like you've never run it before and have a similar Nick Chubb performance when he went there and just obliterated you guys. It's going to take that, and Jacoby Brissett 
cannot throw interceptions. He has to just do what he does, which is take what the defense gives him and don't go beyond that and be content with that and make plays when they present themselves instead of forcing the issue. That's on the offensive side of the ball. Special teams has been – we haven't even gotten to that on what's been going on here in Cleveland. You have the advantage there. So special teams, one, can't turn the football over, and when it has its opportunity to flip the field, it has to do that to keep Lamar pinned. And then your hope is, is that you can – coax Lamar into throwing multiple interceptions again and that he forces the issue trying to prove something when he doesn't need to in certain situations. And that's the way – and then shutting the run game down because I believe the X factor in this game is Drake. If the Browns can shut him down, if he's going to get the boatload of the carries and hold Lamar at bay and force him into bad throws, that's how the Browns win this game. At JR Cherry 3 on Twitter is how you give him a follow. He is the three-time Super Bowl champion, Gerard Cherry. Gerard, we will text you a couple ideas, I promise you. We got, we got some stuff in mind. We'll, we'll, we'll make sure that you got a spot for you as you get into town this weekend. Appreciate you taking the time for us this morning, man. Look forward to doing it again later in the year, all right? Sounds good, man. Always a pleasure, guys. Interesting stuff. Thank you, Gerard. Gerard Cherry, uh, part of the Browns radio crew, joining us here on GCR. He's good. So we get ready. How do you end up with the Browns? Um, I think if I remember right, he's from Ohio. Okay. Or no, no, it's his wife. It was story with his wife because I remember making a joke with him one time. I was like, "Because yeah, then you get you get around the Browns, you just can't leave an organization like that." And he <laughs> laughed about it. Uh, but I believe it. His wife okay. was from there, and that's how he ended up back in that area. That's Much gr- like you great. referenced uh, uh, Vinny earlier. That's the reason why he's here, of course, he's because his wife is a uh, surgeon. Um, really, or a doctor of some sort. She's like but, Vinny Serrano's. That's the wife, reason yeah. why. That's the reason why he's in Baltimore. Because people ask that question all the time. Why would the former Washington general manager, who has no obvious connection to Baltimore whatsoever, end up, you know, camped out here? That's the reason. It's not that he wanted to be close to Dan Snyder. I don't think that's what the reason was. If I don't think so, but uh, no, I, I know. I happen to know it's related <laughs> to his wife. Uh, and, of course, every time uh, uh, Gerard brings up uh, Browns general manager Andrew Barry, I like to remind everyone, of course, Andrew Barry, a former Bel Air Bobcat. Um, really? Oh, no, that's right. Micah, you were a Bel Air Bobcat, right? Yeah, Micah went to Bel Air as well. Yeah, it, Very similar paths in your careers. He was a general manager at, like, the age of 30, and you have a real chance to – well, I, anyway. I, uh, would, <laughs> I, I would bet you, though, that Andrew Cherry – Andrew Barry. Yeah. Barry, yeah. I'm sorry. Gerard Cherry, Gerard Andrew Barry. Cherry. It's a whole thing. Yeah. I bet he did not spill iced coffee on his shoes today. I, I, so this is the, the thing that I like to tell people. I was once Andrew Barry's supervisor. This is a, a straight shoot. I was his manager when he worked at Best Buy. I, I, was, I was in charge. And look at that, man. Like All that advice that he took from me when I was in a direct leadership role over him. I, I feel like I deserve a little bit more credit, you know? I feel like I deserve... He learned, he motiv- learned a lot from you. Yeah, probably right? probably motivated him. He said, if this idiot can, yeah, I can gotta, be my boss, I, I can, think it was more like, I, I got to get out of here. Yeah. I got to get out of here and maybe try to do some more important things. I do remember, like, the, the guy that ran the store coming over. was like, I just hired this kid. He's going to Harvard. I'm like, what the hell is he doing here? <laughs> like, what the, to do what? <laughs> Put away CDs? <laughs> I think we're misusing his skills. <laughs> I don't think that's the case. Um, I really liked Andrew. He's never come on the show. It's a very disappointing thing for me. I don't know what that's all about. Bad memories. I, maybe I was a terrible boss. I mean, I probably was. It was a time in my life where I was doing a lot of drinking and, you know, some recreational drugs. So it might have been that <laughs> he doesn't look back on it as fondly as I do my time around him. He's like, yeah, that guy, uh, 
I don't really take that guy all that seriously, so I can understand if that's the case. All right, today's show is also brought to you by um, Guilford Hall Brewery. If you're uh, someone who enjoys an occasional beverage, I highly recommend Guilford Hall Brewery, truly a gem in our city, 1611 Guilford Avenue in Station North. It is such an immaculate facility, man. Like indoor, outdoor areas, multiple different indoor areas. You can host your events at Guilford Hall Brewery. The food is incredible, a delicious Bavarian-style menu. Um, October seems like a good time to be hanging out and enjoying that Bavarian-style menu. All of the craft brews, excellent. The Guilford Hall Lager is their signature brew. It is very tasty. they got a great Halloween party coming up um, on the 29th, so one week from tomorrow. And it's free. Uh, live music, costume contest, the whole deal. Guilford Hall Brewery, guilfordhall.com. We come back in. I want to talk a little about the uh, playoffs. Stan, I want to discuss where we are. Uh, as, uh, again, this two-series shift uh, locations starting to... Ooh, hello, starting tonight in the NLCS when the Padres will take on the Phillies in Game 3. We'll talk about that next. Stan, the fan is here. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers start at close to $59,000 a year with a $10,000 bonus. Some restrictions apply. Plus a great retirement plan, medical, dental, and vision insurance, advancement to specialized units, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days earned per calendar year, and even further incentives for military members and veterans. If you have a passion for service and want a career for life, visit JoinBaltimoreCountyPD.com or call 410-887-5542. You must be a United States citizen, possess a valid driver's license, and have a high school diploma or GED equivalent. The Baltimore County Police Department is an equal opportunity employer. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, New Maryland basketball coach Kevin Willard sits down with Stan Charles and Glenn Clark to discuss the situation he inherited in College Park and how he plans to get the program turned around. Also, inside, we introduce you to men's and women's college basketball players from all of the teams in the area. And Bo Smoka profiles Ravens receiver Devin DuVernay. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Experience the best in Kamado Grilling, a complete outdoor cooking appliance. The Ginsu Kamado Grill allows anyone to sear, grill, bake, and smoke all types of food. Designed for efficiency and function, the Ginsu Kamado Grill upholds the enduring legacy of the iconic Ginsu brand. The Ginsu Kamado Grill is perfect to cook all year round, is great for parties, and ideal for tailgating with your friends. Reserve your Ginsu Kamado Grill today at ginsugrills.com and get $100 off on your pre-order when you use the promo code tailgate that's ginsugrills.com reserve yours today join glenn at halftime of every ravens game for the project game day halftime show at facebook.com slash pressbox sports we apologize in advance there's not much we can do about his face 
All right, back in here on GCR. Stan the Fan Charles is with us on a Friday edition of the program. Today's show is also brought to you by your friends at Glory Days Grill. We love Glory Days Grill, the Oktoberfest menu outstanding, the chicken schnitzel, the Bavarian burger on the pretzel bun, the brewer sausage platter, the brewer sausage sandwich, the slam dunk pretzel, the cheddar ale soup, all outstanding. GloryDaysGrill.com is the website for you to get your order in right now. Stan the fan. Yes, sir. Um, it was looking hairy there. It looked like the NLCS might be over quickly, but uh, the Padres have a huge fifth inning in game two. Turn that around. They even up the series at one game apiece going back to Philadelphia. And Philadelphia doesn't get to start Aaron Nola or Zach Wheeler for another couple of days. So mm-hmm. the Padres have at least a chance uh, maybe to uh, get into that series a little bit. We'll see how that goes. A uh, real pity about the Yankees last night. Just a real shame. I don't know if you heard afterwards. Um, yeah, they had the roof open. That was the time. really just yeah. terribly unfair to yeah. the Yankees that the roof was open because that's what cost Aaron Judge a home run, and right. so that's really those those can, they're at it again. Those Astros. Yeah, they're cheating. Those cheating bastards. Yeah. First, it's the trash cans. Now, the audacity. To leave the roof you open. You want to hit a home run, hit it a little further. Yeah, maybe that would be yeah. what I would try to do. Or maybe not every home run at Yankee Stadium is a home run everywhere else. Right. Believe it or not, uh, that's not the way that it works, which takes, of course, nothing away from the outstanding season there and Judge had. But, you know, I think we all know that. Um, I have treated the postseason as the Astros Invitational for the most part. Like, I've just I, – I, I, I get it. And, and Jeremy said it this way. Jeremy, as a better, said – I would never – you give me a blank versus the field, I'm never taking blank. I'm always taking the field. It's just for a better, there's too much there. He right. said going into this round, he said, you're telling me it's Astros versus the field. I'm 1,000% taking the Astros. said, so it's just – I don't even care. Oh, okay. The, okay. I don't care what the odds are at this point. It just seems like they are that much better than everybody else. Yeah. Do, I, you, I, I, do you think that someone else could still threaten the Astros the rest of the way? Uh, if it depends the scenario with which the Phillies or the Padres make it to the World Series, one of them is going to make it. If the Phillies were to win three in a row now at this point and prove that they can win games without Nola or Wheeler Wheeler Mm -hmm. on the mound, I would give them a puncher's chance. uh, Clearly, the Padres have so many weapons – it's it's absolutely it, I, unbelievable. I will tell you it's it's if that the other day was Juan Soto's like breakout party yeah, and he if, can be Juan if, Soto again, then I you are on to something. Yeah. They become a threat of some sort if Juan Soto can be Juan Soto like the rest of the way. And and that bullpen that they've now devised, it's a three man bullpen mm-hmm. with Nick Martinez, Rob Roberto Suarez and, and Josh Hader, Hader yeah. is really, really dominant. And the Phillies don't have that but The I Astros are a pretty dominant bullpen. <laughs> No, no, I'm, I'm talking yeah, about it I know, versus I know, the Phillies, yeah. you know. But uh, right now, the Astros are clearly the favorite to win it all. But I And I'm not predicting a comeback right now, but this is one of the weirder seven-game series we've ever seen in that the two best pitchers that the Yankees have are go. not pitching until three and four. So don't be totally shocked if after four games it's 2-2. 
You know, it, it wouldn't shock me at all. That's fair. It's certainly fair to point that out that because they had to go to five games in the division series mm-hmm. and it got delayed and the whole thing that they didn't get to stack their rotation. And it goes back to Houston. They can open or close the roof. That's true. And that's a yeah. huge factor in all of this yeah. is it's really the deciding factor in uh, why it is the Astros are up to zero. I mean, they're paying Garrett Cole a lot, a yep. lot of money. And he's been he really had- good. He he has not been the pitcher Maybe pr- that's prior fine. to the sticky stuff being taken away last year. That's fine. But he's but he's he's having a he, he could pitch a dominant game and shut that team down. Look, that Astros team was shut down by Dean Kramer, Jordan Lyles, and Austin happen. Voth. That did happen. You know that did happen. I'm I wonder you. if the roof was. I don't. You know, we'd open. have to go back and look and yeah. figure out what the story of the roof is, because yeah. the roof is really what it all comes down <laughs> to. Uh, now, Michael Jordan said the ceiling is the roof, so I'm not really sure how all of this works out. Um, you know, it's been interesting though to watch Altuve's having a terrible postseason, mm-hmm. and Trey Mancini is not even uh, a, fa- yeah, sniffing, a factor right, at all, which is a disappointing yeah. part. I, it's interesting you said it a minute ago that you're rooting for the Phillies, which is interesting to me. It seems like most most people in Baltimore are rooting for the Astros and the Padres, and they want to see a Trey Mancini, Manny Machado World Series. What is your Phillies uh, affinity? I, when I was in college, I used to park cars in Atlantic City. Okay. And uh, I was became a Phillies fan, sure. a, a National League Phillies fan. And over overall... That's what I still am as a Phillies fan in the National League. Okay, you know. so you're that's just your. I mean, I go back to Mike Schmidt when Mike Schmidt hit 180, but had 12 home runs his first season, and I was telling everybody in Baltimore, this guy's going to be great, the, and he was. Well, it tur- yeah, it turns out he was okay. He was the greatest third baseman. Yeah, that I don't know what you're doing, man. I don't know what that you might want to. We might need to have Micah walk out of this building with you when you leave today, because there might be a really. Well, I mean, I'm just saying that you might be nervous about someone trying to come jump you after you said that. I'm a little bit worried about that. that. I'm a little bit worried about that. I got to die sometime. Jeez, (laughs) this is getting dark. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, what the? Is you're willing to well, die you brought, over? You brought it up. Well, you I'm just saying, people around here don't take kindly to my, you saying that I Mike Schmidt's the greatest the third baseman. Threats. Well, you never know around these parts. Yeah. I, thought you, I thought you were saying you could just take on anyone. Yeah, yeah, I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about that. He's secretly been uh, you doing. You make it sound like I was bashing Donald Trump or something. Well, no, wait a second. Some things are sacred. Yeah. You, you of course are referring to an era. I feel like there's less of this these days where people have a National League team, because you get to see those players all throughout yeah. the course of the year. You're, I think for a young person, they might not understand that once upon a time, there, there was no interleague play, right. and there weren't games on TV every night. And so if you wanted to see the stars of the National League, if you wanted to see those players, you would have to figure out a way to go watch. And there was no Washington Nationals, so there was no Masson 2. Yep. There were none of those games on TV. And I know you were not alone. There were others in this region that would say, I'm going to go up to Philadelphia because I want to watch National League players. I want to go see Barry Bonds. I want to go see you know, whoever it was that they were fascinated with by the, from the National League, Tony Gwynn. That was the only way to go about doing it was to go up to Philly to see him. Yeah. Well, I lived, in, like I said, in Atlantic City. I'm, but Morgan. even people around here yeah. would, would drive up yep. and just say, this yep. is, if, if I, if I want to see National League baseball, yeah. that, I mean, the Jeff Bagwells of the world still at that time. And when did Interleague start? What year was the first year of Interleague play? Oh, it was in God. the 90s, but I don't remember. Uh, I'm not sure. I want to say it was late 90s. I want to say it was. Really? So there was no Interleague play until the 90s? No. 
No, not at all. This is what I just said. Like, I, that's, someone yeah. your age, it doesn't make I sense know, to you. Like, it's not just there was no interleague play, but there were so many fewer games on television right. that you didn't get to see. That's not true. TBS had the Braves. So a lot of people became Braves, Braves fans. fans. And then WGN the had Cubs. the Mets. Yeah. Oh, WGN. I was thinking WOR had the Mets. And so there were some cable packages allowed you to see some National League baseball. But it was not anything like that. And so if you wanted to watch these players, the way to do it was to drive up to the vet and go to Philadelphia and go see them. And so a lot of people around here said the exact same thing. I kind of I had a National League team, too. Yeah. I don't think young baseball fans would have that type of feeling. To Griffin's point, I can just watch these guys. They all, yeah, they all come playing in early baseball yeah, all the time yeah, now, right? Yeah, like, we're yeah. going to see them at some point. There's certain teams, like with the Orioles this year when they went to St. Louis, it was the first time they'd been to St. Louis in 18 years or something like that. It was the first time they had been to the new, uh, new Bush Stadium. Bush Stadium. Yeah. So it's still not common, but it was a big deal. Like I remember the first time Sammy Sosa came to Baltimore after interleague play started. Like It was a mob scene mm-hmm. that weekend at Camden Yards, despite the fact that the Orioles you know, stunk um, in the, the early 2000s because it was seeing Sammy Sosa at Camden Yards, which was something we hadn't experienced. We yeah. didn't know what that was like, so it was a big deal here. You know, the interleague play has taken a lot of the luster to me off the All-Star game. It's just not the same, you that, know. It's it, another it, thing that young yeah. people couldn't possibly understand, right? Yeah. Like, it, you get, that yeah. was your chance to see these players play. Now you're like, yeah, I've, I've seen them. Yep. Like, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm good. I, I don't, yeah. what, is it, what does it mean to me? A lot of complaints the last week about game times, Stan. A lot of complaints. And I always like to say, I just don't think there's a perfect answer to your, your problem. You're mad when the games start late because kids have to go to bed. Right. You're mad when the games are in the afternoon because people have to work. Could they play both the games at the same time if they want to have both games on the same day? I, I guess they could, but they clearly want to stagger them so we can get audiences to watch both of the games. My bigger problem is, and I'm sure that a little bit of the con- congestion was caused by the lo- the lockout and mm-hmm. the, you know whatever the work you know that baseball didn't start on time. But my biggest problem is. Why in the world would you start a series like the Yankees um, series against Cleveland, have game one, and then have an off day in game two? So they did the bit where they wanted all of the games. They wanted to create like a day where all of the game, all the series were going on at the same time. So that was why. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I, because it ended up what it ended up doing was right. it ended up causing a rainout in right. game two when they could have very well yeah, played, played the game the next game, day you know so, and then it led to a second rain out and you know it just to me everything is bunched up too close to one another i feel like there needs to be it's like a great bottle of wine there needs to be a little, little aging of, little uh, let it breathe a little bit let it breathe yeah. a little bit and let you know let's let's you know, don't worry about squeezing Every ounce I, out of the grape. I understand this was a unique scenario this year because yeah. the season started late yeah. and they don't want the World Series going on to Thanksgiving. Like I, right. I understand that they're in a bit of they're probably doing some things this year that they wouldn't do in a normal year because of that, because they're trying to, you know, force everything in a shorter amount of time. I, I think a lot of people forget there was a lockout to start the yeah. season because, you know, it, it ended fairly quickly and all was good. Um, so I can acknowledge that. I also think that I read somewhere that they are trying to create like a March Madness feel 
to the MLB postseason that they liked the idea of people treating it like a holiday, uh-huh. like a, it's a baseball festival. We just want to spend all day watching baseball. Right. And so the only way to do that is to have all four series play on the same day. Yeah. I, I don't know how much value there is in that. I don't know if they're getting what it is they want from that. I don't see a yeah. lot of people taking the day off I mean, work and going to the bars the way that they the do. First, nobody's going to be doing that in this day and age, really taking off. They, people the still bars. do it for March Madness, March obviously. March Madness because it's, is it's, different. It's, it's had like, a history. Right. It's part of our culture. It's, it's, it's close to 40 years 100%, that people have been doing right. it. You know, I, again, my biggest complaint about it is I felt like they're, they're going to force games to be played in the rain and in inclement weather because of some – Artificial mm-hmm. deadline. Well, that they were they, trying to play the Yankees Cleveland game at like ten o'clock at night. Yeah, I mean, uh, that, was for game rid- five. that was ridiculous. And they just finally decided they wouldn't be able ridiculous. to do it, but they left people sitting out there hoping yeah. when the there whole was day, be a game played. If they knew the way, if they could read the weather a little better, you know, if Marty Bass would have been up right. in New York, what the hell? He what would have we... said, "Why don't you move the game to the afternoon and get, get the it game over, over with? with?" Right, yeah. get it over with before the weather comes yeah. in. That seems like that would have been the better yeah. scenario. Um, I still think greed is the biggest problem there. It's that they don't want to give up dates. You know, they have 81 home dates that they open their gates. Right. I think if each team collectively gave up three or four dates and they played double headers all the time more regularly, you could end the season a week like earlier, six, ten days, twelve days earlier, and you wouldn't be bumping up into November. I just don't think there's any chance they're going to do it. I mean, I just yeah. that's the no, I don't, that's the reality. I don't, I, don't, see it I don't think there's any chance that I think a better chance would be that it goes even later and they say, "You know what? It's not that big a deal that teams have a home advantage in the World Series. Right. We're going to play it in San Diego." So that's one thing like, that Scott Boris has pushed for for a long time as a neutral site World yeah. Series and he's argued that you can create a Super Bowl feel you could, to the yeah. World Series by doing that. You could make it a destination for people to travel no to. You could have it. a baseball festival, you could do a convention at the same time. You could create something that it is a more central event for baseball to celebrate the sport than what you have with the World Series, particularly considering you're playing a lot of these World Series in cold weather anymore because right. you know you're in Boston or New York or Chicago or yeah. you know somewhere where it's miserable. Hopefully, and, Baltimore and in a couple. I'll of years. tell you, as a former season ticket holder of the Orioles, I was a season ticket holder from 1980 till about 2000, about 2000 when we went to Durham, okay. 2001. Um, you know, it used to be. That was the benefit of owning season tickets is you got dibs on the World Series tickets. By the end, the postseason tickets are so exp- so expensive <laughs> that it w- I, I've, I said, gee, this is my bonus yeah. is the, for, yeah, is for that being in I the get playoffs. the right to pay $500 get, yeah. in, 20, in 2012 when so I got the uh, email. Don't that, be surprised if that doesn't come down the road. In 2012, I was still working at the uh, the old place, so I was. Is that broke. when you were boss of Andrew Barry? No, no, that was when I was working at the old radio station oh. that doesn't exist anymore, and I was broke. Were you the boss of uh, Wild Red Barry? No, I was never, never, never. I'm trying to think if I had a Barry. I, Stephen Barry, who I know listens to this show, I was his boss for a little while. I liked. Steve did you Barry. know Wild Red Barry? No, I did not. He I was a not. wrestling manager. Oh, back in the f- 60s. Well, I definitely was never Wild, Wild Red, Red Barry, his boss. Yeah. Who did he manage? Um. Arnold Skolin, okay, the Golden Boy. You got to be honest Skolin. with your your date, your date, yeah. and yourself a yeah. little bit. Bruno, a little oh, I definitely bit. know I think Bruno. He yeah, Bruno. All right, yeah. 
Well, of course, we don't talk about Bruno. I think he managed the Mortier brothers, Hans and Franz Mortier. Hans and Franz? He managed Hans and Franz? That was the original Hans and Franz. That's where that came from. Um, I don't, I don't know what just happened there. Yeah, in 2012, I was at the old place. I think he also managed Gorilla Monsoon. I do know Gorilla Monsoon. Now you're talking my language. Yeah. Uh, I got the email. Hey, uh, you want to go ahead and buy tickets for the Division Series? I said, of course I do. I bought my Division Series tickets. And then, like, the next day, I got the email about the ALCS. And I said, well, I'm going to need to buy tickets for this. And then I looked down at the prices and said, yeah. Well, we're Don't not we're not going to be we're not going to be eating in the Clark right. household right. for a little right. while. There's not going to be any food. Right. I don't know what we're going to do, but I'm going to go to the ALCS. So I did have that moment. I didn't say it publicly, but I 1000 percent after they lost game five. I remember sitting in my friend Mark's basement <sighs> and there was a small part of me that said, you know, the only good news about this. Yeah, I don't have to come up with my, two thousand. Mrs. Clark and I are going to be able to eat for a little yeah, while. Right. Like we're going to be able to have food in the house. All right, um, uh, you you can stick around for another couple. Hey, this might end up being the part uh, where we end up letting you go because we yeah, still I've have to. I've got to run my wife to a, a doctor's appointment. Which is a real shit. Jake Butt really wanted to talk to you. He just kept going Damn. on about how much he wanted Damn. to talk to you, Stan the Fan. You're sure you couldn't stick around for another Give me his number. I'll give him a All call right, yeah, off the yeah, air. Check in with if him. He really want, he, yeah, I know he's, no, he's to a talk big to Stan the Fan fan. Right, thank you for the Stan, number. Yeah. Stan the Fan fan is what he, they call himself. Yeah, oh, really? Big Stan the Fan fan man. Um, you've got uh, uh, busy. You're going to be doing shows next week again. Monday and Thursday. Uh, probably won't do it Thursday. Probably going to move it to Wednesday. All oh, right, the Ravens play on Thursday. Ravens obviously, Thursday. that wouldn't. Make Although sense. maybe maybe we'd get a bigger audience. Uh, than the depending Ravens. in the second, you say, hey, in the second half, when you guys know things aren't going to be going well, yeah. just come over and watch us instead. Do you have plans for Monday yet? No. No pl- not have right, plans right. yet. We'll plug that when you we'll, have it. We'll get it. You'll be on with the boys tomorrow morning on the bat around. I'll be on talking with the baseball. bat around, and Luke and I are heading down to College Park to see oh, check the, out the uh, Terps against. The, the make Terps. sure you say hello to Jake Butt while you're there. He's a oh, he's, I'm so yeah. I'm make God, sure you tell him uh, when you yeah, talk to I him. Yeah, I will. Now. I say, don't worry. You won't. You won't miss Stan the fan. I'll just look for He'll, his butt. Right. Can look for that butt. You can go to College Park and check out that butt. Uh, appreciate you, sir. Always good to see you. Thanks for coming in and hanging out with us Always on a Friday a pleasure. show. All right, when we come back in, we're going to get to uh, – we'll let uh, have Micah give us young youths for this week, see what's going on in the world of the youths. And then uh, Jake Butt will join us. We'll talk a little uh, Terps Northwestern. That's still on the way on a Friday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Experience the best in Kamado Grilling, a complete outdoor cooking appliance. The Ginsu Kamado Grill allows anyone to sear, grill, bake, and smoke all types of food. Designed for efficiency and function, the Ginsu Kamado Grill upholds the enduring legacy of the iconic Ginsu brand. The Ginsu Kamado Grill is perfect to cook all year round, is great for parties, and ideal for tailgating with your friends. Reserve your Ginsu Kamado Grill today at ginsugrills.com and get $100 off on your pre-order when you use the promo code tailgate that's ginsugrills.com reserve yours today the latest edition of press box is available now on the cover new maryland basketball coach kevin willard sits down with stan charles and glenn clark to discuss the situation he inherited in college park and how he plans to get the program turned around also inside we introduce you to men's and women's college basketball players from all of the teams in the area and bo smoke profiles ravens receiver devin duvernay press box is available for free at over 500 area locations including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition.
edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. What's up, everyone? This is Tyus Bowser, and I'm excited to tell you that I'm back with Season 2 of the Tyus Bowser Show in partnership with PressBox and Great Ace Memorabilia. Join us on Tuesday nights throughout the season as I'll be heading all over town with my special guests. And, of course, our co-hosts, Glenn and Rita. What is it, Rita and Glenn? What is it? I look forward to meeting you guys and talking a little bit about football and a lot about life. And if you happen to miss the show, you can now catch a replay Friday nights on 1057 The Fan. Get all of your details for the Tyus Bowser Show right now at PressBoxOnline.com slash Bowser. The next Tyus Bowser Show is Tuesday, November 1st at the Hamilton Sports Bar and Grill, 5506 Hartford Road. It's brought to you by Maryland Vascular Specialists and the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite spots. Sponsors the Costas Inn, and everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring Entry-level officers start at close to $59,000 a year with a $10,000 bonus. Some restrictions apply. Plus a great retirement plan, medical, dental, and vision insurance, advancement to specialized units, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days earned per calendar year, and even further incentives for military members and veterans. If you have a passion for service and want a career for life, visit JoinBaltimoreCountyPD.com or call 410-887-5542. You must be a United States citizen, possess a valid driver's license and have a high school diploma or GED equivalent. The Baltimore County Police Department is an equal opportunity employer. If you can't listen or watch live, you can subscribe to the show via Spotify, Amazon, or Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star review while you're there. Or if lying isn't your thing, we'll take a a three-and-a-half-star review too. The FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland is the place to watch and bet on Every sporting event, but particularly during football season, whether it's a day of college football tomorrow or all day long NFL Sundays, Monday night football, nowhere better to be than the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Make sure you reserve your spot by emailing events at sportssocialmd.com. That's events at sportssocialmd.com so that you can be there hanging out in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Same game parlay plus bets available. You can put up to 25 legs in your same game parlay bet. And on top of that, you can still register that $25 Super Bowl futures bet in order to win a pair of tickets to the Super Bowl. All right, it is that time. We used to have, you know what, I used to whistle as the open for um, uh, Young Utes. It was uh, the, it's the Peter Bjorn and John song, uh, Young Folks. The <laughs> It's been covered a lot. It's been sampled a lot over the years. But the problem is I always, like the first line is always really strong, and then my whistling just falls apart from that point. It's disastrous. It's <laughs> Duet whistling. Duet whistling. <laughs> that was might impressive. Be a, might be a thing now moving forward. It's time for Young Utes. Uh, uh, MC Ernest, what is going on in the world of the young this week? 
All right, so for the first one, have you heard of the Call Her Daddy podcast? I'm familiar with it. Yeah, so Haley Bieber, Justin Bieber's wife, okay. was a guest the on former Call Her Daddy. Haley Baldwin. This is former a, Haley this Baldwin. is who's it's not Alec Baldwin's daughter. It's one of his brothers. I want to say Stephen or Daniel, one of the goofy ones. One I of think. the Baldwin bros. You don't. This doesn't mean anything to you at all. No. <laughs> nope. Okay. Thank you. Dynamite tapping. Appreciate uh, it. So. Pretty much, Haley went on the Call Her Daddy podcast and was sort of grilled about whether or not she started hooking up with Justin Bieber while he was still with Selena um, because they got married only a year after Justin and Selena broke up. So that caused a lot of uh, beef between Selena and Haley Baldwin fans. But Monday night at the second annual Academy Museum Gala, Ah, I was invited to that. I just couldn't. Yeah, it really? was a very busy week for me. I thought I, I saw worked you in at the event at USA Lacrosse over the weekend. I was like, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't make it. And I, I heard that Selena Gomez kept asking. Yeah, like, she was just like, Hey, where's, I thought I where's, saw you. In where's the Glenn? Right? Like, why, why isn't he? Why didn't you like pass off the invitation? I had. By the way, I have a very funny. Yeah, I was like, Yeah. Uh, well, I said I was like, Well, hey, I might not be able to make it, but by proxy, we could sing Griffin, and they were like, Nah, yeah, nah, we're God. good. Um, I once went to this is a there was a Maryland lacrosse but do you, you have no idea this means nothing to you there's a very popular it was a spinoff of the OC or Laguna one of those shows Laguna Beach the OC I don't even remember what it was Laguna Beach it was one of those shows the one that was on MTV that they brought back this year and a Maryland lacrosse player one of the years the final four was in Baltimore a former Maryland lacrosse player had invited me to an after party at one of the bars in Power Plant. I don't think it's mm-hmm. there anymore. I don't, remember, I don't remember what it was called. But I show up, and it's all of the girls from this show, The O.C., because I was unaware that he was dating one of the uh, girls from the show, The O.C., and I have never felt more out of place anywhere <laughs> in my life. I'm sure. Like, what in the world do I have? Uh, or, I don't know. I think it was. The O.C. was a scripted show, right? This was... This was this was a not a scripted show. This was a you know quote unquote reality show. But it's all of these like it was the one that Spencer Montag and Heidi were. No, you are so young. You don't know what any of this means. Laguna, yeah, this is not young Utes talking about the damn, OC. Damn it! Well, it wasn't the OC because the OC was the scripted show. This was whatever the one was that was not a scripted show. But it was all of these very famous, very attractive young women and then me <laughs> like <laughs> after i had gone to something that i was covering so i was dressed like a sports writer like i walk <laughs> into this place and i'm like oh yeah you your polo tucked in and- exactly <laughs> right. like, oh no oh no and they all kind of look at me and i'm like hi i'm glenn <laughs> I'm with the, the Scott Hockstad invited me. They're like, oh, that's nice. And they brought the they brought the water boy from <laughs> Maryland. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like, oh god. And then it's like, how how long do you stay? Because the guy that invited me hadn't showed up yet. Oh, that's so the I worst. didn't want to bail before he got there, right? Because you at least want to like say, hey man, thank you for the invite. You know, but I got to go see a guy about a thing. You know what I mean? Like you you want to you want to pull that off because you want to be able to say, hey, I showed up. Like that, you want to get that point, right? That you showed up for an event. Yeah. I don't think I made it. I don't think <laughs> I lasted long enough. It was a very uncomfortable couple of moments to your friend Glenn. I was like, <laughs> why am I here? Why did he invite me? Like, look at me. I don't belong here. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Selena Gomez. Yeah, so um, there was a lot of beef between their fans, like saying Haley was a homewrecker and ah, all this. Yeah, but I've, Monday, I've said that for some time. 
Monday at that Academy Museum Gala, uh, they pretty much killed all those rumors and posted pictures on Instagram well, just sweet. hugging each other. So that's apparently sweet. the beef is squashed. It's always an interesting thing, like when your exes are friends. So my wife yeah. hates all of my exes, but doesn't say it out loud. As does my girlfriend. Right? Yeah. Well, okay. You're young, so that makes sense because young people are naturally. Ge- We're forty. <laughs> And she still can't separate the idea <laughs> like 20 years that, like, a back. girl that I dated in college, maybe it's over. Maybe it's not a thing any longer. Um, oh, it's so funny that Proctor's listening because he knows. Uh, there's, like, there's a girl that, that, that we're, we're still friends with to this day. We're friends with her husband, right? Yeah. And, like, she literally did not want me. We're friends with them, and she didn't want me to invite him to the wedding. I was like, <laughs> What? What's wrong with you? She's like, I don't want your ex-girlfriend. I'm like, what? The- Just what in case that? that flame rekindles what is at your wedding. What's wrong with you? <laughs> then a week later, she's hanging out with this girl at like a, some event. I'm like, what? You are a psychopath. <laughs> you are every woman I've ever known, which is their face oh i love you it's so great that to would, see that you. would not be the right thing to say like, to say you are every other woman I've ever i know met. i'm sorry i'm sorry i shouldn't say that but like i like uh, to their face i i'm so happy to be your best friend and then the moment that they're not around you you cannot you're not inviting them are you you're not invite i don't, I don't oh my god it drives me <laughs> crazy um oh anyway i'm sorry i don't mean to i don't mean to obsess over that no, you're good so that- i do wonder if they're actually like That's cool, what I was thinking. Right? Like, I do wonder if they're actually cool or if it's more just like, you know, hey, because we're here, we have to pretend like we're cool. And then, you know, you get them away from each other. They're they're like, no, 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 we really hate each other. Yeah, it seemed like Selena was pretty genuine. She was, like, tweeting at her fans and stuff and saying, like, if you're my fans, you need to know what you represent. And we're going to be nice to Haley and squash all that beef. So it seems like they're okay now. Um... um I, I don't obviously I don't care right yeah. <laughs> like obviously it starts with that. I'll just I'm, wait till the next one. It's I'm sure the young youths, world. I'm sure the young youths are really into it. Um, I I I don't care about it at all. I also am almost like when I see a a a divorced couple where like the women like the the, the ex and the current are are very good friends. I always wonder after a little while, like, because everybody says that's what you want, right? Especially if you have kids. You want it to be healthy. You want it to be that everybody gets along. You can do holidays together, the whole thing, right? Yeah. Like, you always want that. But then if you're the dude in that scenario, right? Like, if you've gotten to a point where you can't be in a marriage with this person any longer, do you really want them hanging around? Yeah. <laughs> like, do you really want them to continue to be like, your your wife to be like, oh, I'm, I'm, I, I called Mary. I invited her over for dinner on Friday night. Oh, great. Definitely can't be comfortable. Can't wait to spend Friday night with Mary. That seems wonderful. The person that drove me insane. (laughs) I get it. You want it to be a healthy relationship, especially with kids. You want to be able to get along. But, like, I do feel like in that scenario, fortunately, I don't have an ex-wife. I've stayed with this one for the better part of a decade now. And at the moment, we still seem cool. Um, sometimes we joke about like it's an 18-year test drive, right? Until the kids are old enough, <laughs> but then we revisit and we reconsider and we see where we are at that point. But uh, I hope that I'm not in that place. I hope that uh, Mrs. Clark and I are able to stick it out uh, for the long run, and I, I have every reason to think that we will. There are moments where I wonder, uh, um, but no, I think we're going to stick it out. And I, I would like to think that 
we won't have to deal with those problems in the future. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. Very Number wholesome. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Number two. All right, so this one I'm sure is we'll... It t- is it Taylor Swift? Because I feel like that's all people are talking about this no, week. No, I didn't have Taylor any Swift. Taylor Swift ones. I, that's... Oh, it was a whole thing last night because Al Michaels and who did, Kirk Herbstreet, like, they had to te- do this Taylor Swift right. teaser in the game <laughs> because the album was hitting at midnight oh, last night. Oh, I did see and, that, actually. And, like, afterwards they were like, uh, you got a daughter, uh, Kirk? I'm sure that's all she cares about. And then, like, the women on the internet were furious. You're acting like it's only young girls who like Taylor <laughs> Swift. Dude, I don't think it's this deep. I don't. I, like, there are things that are really worth being offended by. Like, there are things where we are real, like, and it, we're treating. Kanye West has said some truly terrible things recently that he deserves criticism for. Suggesting that young women like Taylor Swift, I think, lines up pretty well. I get it. The Taylor Swift's been around for a long time, and so some of the young women that were fans once upon a time are no longer necessarily yeah. young women. Maybe appreciate the fact that someone's calling you young. Like, maybe there's something to be said for that. Yeah, so this one, have you heard of a famous TikToker, Charlie D'Amelio? I am very familiar with Charlie D'Amelio. Yeah, I'm not saying so. very. I'm not, like, I, I'm aware of her. Oh, I am so familiar with. <laughs> you spent a lot of time on no, the... No, no, this is what you were saying. What... No, 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 it does sound very creepy <laughs> when I say it that way, right? Like... She's not even there. I, I have openly admitted that there are some TikTok or Instagram pages that I spent a little bit too much time on. Hers is not one of them. I, she doesn't. She's not a particular interest to me, but I'm yeah. familiar. So this one's about her older sister, Dixie, who's also famous. They have their. I'm uh, not familiar with her. She's TikTok famous. I shouldn't say famous, okay. but they have. I'm uh, pretty sure that's just famous anymore. True. True. Yeah. They have uh, the D'Amelio show, which is the reality show of their lives mm. and their family. When it said, it's come um, on after Seinfeld. Yeah, like, so, <laughs> D'Amelio so show. The newest episode of the Dixie Demi- or the D'Amelio show has started rumors that Dixie and her fellow famous TikToker boyfriend, Noah Beck, <laughs> are... Uh, God, all of my favorites. You're, getting, you're working them all into one news did, story. I actually like him. I think he played soccer at uh, one of the Ivy League schools, oh, I'm good, pretty sure. Good for Noah. Yeah, but so... They have come out and said publicly this week that they are officially broken up for good. Oh, no! So. No! Now he's on podcast. Love is dead! The hell are we going to do, man? I knew this one would rock your world. I take back everything I said about Mrs. Clark and I. We're doomed. Yeah, I told you. (laughs) If Dixie and Noah can't make it, we're screwed. The comments on the TikTok said said love is not real. (laughs) That's what their fans are saying. Love isn't real. damn it. It's hopeless. That was what my wife always said. She said, I'm striving for us to have a as Dixie. loving a relationship as Di- Dixie Cabello or what? Di- Dixie, Dixie D'Amelio. D'Amelio. And Noah Beck. And Noah Beck. She would say that all the time. She would walk in at night and she'd say, do you think we love each other as much as Dixie Normus and what was the other guy? That, Noah. Uh, Noah, Noah, he, Noah and his arc. He played, he played soccer at Portland, the University of oh, Portland. Definitely not, mind, not an Ivy League school. Nope. Definitely He's not. I mean, a Division D1. I school. Don't D1. get me wrong. Good for him. But, yeah, not in the Ivy League. Well, I'm, I've given up all hope. Now, how old is a Di- Di- Dixie Com... What the hell is her name? Dixie D'Amelio. D'Amelio? How old is Dixie D'Amelio? Uh, she's older than Charlie. I think. I don't Charlie know how old Charlie is. 18 or 19. Dixie is... They're, they're 21. They're both 21. Or the Noah and yeah. Dixie are both 21. They're both 21. Mm-hmm. So this is right... Oh, but you're taken. But you're, now, wait a second, Griffin. Yeah. Are you still a single mm, man? I am, yeah. You, uh, how you she, feel about the old... Uh, this is the, this is yeah, the older sister? Yeah. How old is... What's her face? She's... 
18, I think, 19. Hasn't she been around for a few years? Yeah. Oh, that is that is not okay. Yeah. That is not all right. I just checked. She has... That is uh, that is concerning. I don't care for that. She has 148 million followers oh at 18 years well, old. Well, I have no problem with you pursuing your, your... I just... I feel like she's been sexualized yeah that was a that's not that was a thing like when she was below 18 that was a yeah that's not okay a lot of creepy dudes i now this again i want to make it abundantly clear not very familiar yeah i know i said i was very familiar (laughs) not very familiar i want that stricken from the record Griffin, you're going to have to go edit the show later and make sure that line is removed <laughs> mute the, so that no one could possibly think that I was referring <laughs> throwing to Throwing a bleep yeah. first. Uh, how do you feel about all, uh, all uh, uh, the night they drove old Dixie down? How do you feel about that? Uh, I mean, you know, I mean, if she... By the way, if a cover band plays the night they drove old Dixie down, anytime I go out, I'm weeping. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care if I've, I've consumed one beer. I don't care if I consumed 74. If you are a, a cover band worth the salt and you start playing the night they drove old Dixie down, I'm done. In fact... It was a demand that I made of a band that we hire for my wedding. I, we went touring. We went watching some of these bands, and I said, I want to know if you can do the night they drove all Dixie down because we're going to get to a point of the night where I'm going to be just drunk enough that that's what I'm going to want to do is belt along every word <laughs> of the night they drove all Dixie down. Uh, how do you feel about the uh, You know, Dixie? I mean, I'd never say never to anyone. I mean, I'd... Yeah. Uh, I don't think I have that great of a shot, uh, well, but hey. That, but not with that attitude, hey, she, you don't. If she wants a nice night out in Westminster, Maryland. D- I, I bet she'd be very spots. impressed by the fact that you could eat $28 also, worth of Taco Bell. You also screw screw soccer at Portland. You played dodgeball at Towson. That's exactly. right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. uh, didn't you win a national championship? I did. I know. I did. I yeah. You're a national. You're right. Right. Do you think there's any I'm better than Noah Beck. Actually, Port- <laughs> Portland was pretty good at soccer. Are we sure they didn't win a national championship? Um, we better. Uh, we don't need to look it up. We'll just say Yeah, let's just go with that. You got way more going for you than that than that a-hole does. You are a national champion. Dodgeball national champion. Yeah, right? Is he the spokesmodel? Wait a second. Is he the spokesmodel for the Ginsu Kamado Grill? <laughs> Does he have I that going it. for him? Yeah, I, I don't think it. he is. Now, is he? He's. I'm telling you right now, you better. It's time. It's time. True. Slide in them DMs, babe. Yeah, and what you're are we like, doing? You're like pretty close in followers because he only has 34 million. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I have. Yeah. He's way closer to, to your number than he is to hers, That's right? That's true. So keep that in mind. <laughs> Keep oh, that in mind. Point. Wait a second. What? I don't know how many Dixie has. Oh, Let's I'm going to guess Dixie's check. got a few. Uh, 57.5. All right. So that's not true, but no. still. <laughs> but oh, still. And she buzzed her head. What? She buzzed her hair. Well, she's handling the breakup well, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Things are... I mean, look, man. If that's uh, 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 some some women look very good. Uh, true, their, their, true, uh, true. My friend Rita looks outstanding with uh, with her head shaved. It's a very good look for her. Uh, so you're going to slide into them uh, DMs at least? Uh, I would at least... I. You know what Wayne Gretzky or Michael Scott said Wayne Gretzky said? You miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. True, true. I'll send a that picture of the $28 worth of Taco Bell spread out. I would say, I'll say I, I guess what I, I house I this. swear to God, you don't you don't have a hair on your ass. If you don't is she on Twitter or is she just on the TikTok or the She's definitely on everything. Yeah. If right. you don't send her a tweet that says, "Hi, Dixie, my name's Griffin. I'm the producer of the mildly successful <laughs> Glenn Clark radio show." Spokesman I, for the Ginsu Kamado girl. I am the spokesmodel. The oh. spokesmodel. Make sure she hears model. Because then, you know, I think she might be into models. I am the spokesmodel for the Ginsu Kamado grill. I am the voice of Concordia Prep Football. Yeah. And <laughs> I, was, I was wondering. Stevenson I was wondering. You I left was, out national champion. Na- I'm a national champion. Now, this might need two tweets. All right? <laughs> <laughs> We're over the limit with all of Griffin's accomplishments. And... 
And I recently successfully consumed $28 worth of Taco Bell food in one sitting. Now, what's what's your go-to first date, Griffin? Like, what would be the... Hmm. Like, what's a nice night out in Westminster? What you got going on out there? Probably, probably got to see a movie. Is there a putt-putt establishment in there Westminster? Is, yeah, yeah, there is. What's the Island, name of the putt-putt Island putt Green. Place? Island Green. They claim I, to have the best crab cakes in, I think, either Carroll County absolutely or no Maryland. Absolutely no chance. I know. That's, absolutely. I was, I was like, don't you work true. for a place that sells crab yeah. cakes? Yeah, yeah, So maybe you don't promote <laughs> that another place. <laughs> no, I'm sure a putt-putt place has yeah, the right? best crab cakes I would. What I would say, Griffin... Again, you lay all that out there, and you say, I know you're going through a tough time right now. If you'd be interested in an evening of putt-putt and crab cakes, please let me know, and I will make arrangements. All right? Now we got to tune into the D'Amelio show I'm, and see if Griffin yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> begging you to send that tweet. I'm begging you. I'm, Michael, what do you think? I'm be- I what think the hell do you have to lose? I- I guess, yeah, I guess, How can I it be nothing, bad for you? I guess nothing. I guess nothing. Yeah, what, yeah. Somebody going to make fun of you for shooting your shot? It's going to be good have content. A one in 58 million chance. Correct. <laughs> Meh. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to all that one in 58 million talk? <laughs> all right. uh, uh, Proctor says, who's going to inherit the late night talk shows from Kimmel and Fallon and Colbert retire? It's probably going to be some YouTuber or a TikTok clown for one of those. It's just insane. Uh, by the way, and I, that's what Jimmy Fallon is. Like, no offense. I know he was on True. Saturday Night Live, but like... That's what he became when he took over the show. He became a, a YouTube TikTok guy. Like they don't do a show; they just do a series of. They might have been on that show too. Oh, I'm sure Charlie. they were on that yeah. show. I'm sure they were. That's all that show is now. Um, oh yeah, and he says. By the way, I don't. Did you see the story about the uh, politician in Arizona who's trying to protect her children? Mm-mm. Uh, he was caught uh, masturbating outside oh, of a preschool. I did see that? Yeah. Wants to make sure that you vote yes. for him so he can help protect your children. Wow. Yeah. Yep. That wow. is a thing that occurred this week in America. Talk about young youths. In America. All right. Oh, yikes. All right. And number three. <laughs> All right. So the last one is uh, Dak Prescott's coming back from injury this is that, week. Is that what the young and youths are talking about? No, 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 no. <laughs> on, the, on the campus at Stevenson, everybody's walking around no. like, dude, you excited Dak's back. <laughs> People are worried that he may be the newest victim of the Kardashian curse. Wait, who's he dating? So he's not dating anyone, but news came out this Wednesday mm. that he's teaming up with Kylie Jenner as investors, brand ambassadors, and I don't models. Think that counts, does it? For a new water beverage, I don't know. That doesn't count. The Kardashian. I think you have to be. People are saying he's got to talk to like Lamar involved. Odom, but they were very intimately involved. True. They kept making kids together. But pretty much they're going <laughs> we had together. One of the, we had one of the basketball players on the show one time, and I straight up. Like I didn't have, a, I think it was Raymond Felton, maybe who had dated. Did Raymond Felton date a Kardashian? Because I'm pretty sure that's who we had on the show. And Raymond Felton, who played at North Carolina and had like a cup of coffee in the NBA, Kardashian. When they launched the Big Three basketball league, mm. they would keep asking us um, to uh, put players on. And I don't, maybe it was somebody else. Maybe, I don't think it was Baron Davis. One of them dated a Kardashian or maybe hooked up with a Kardashian. And I didn't have a ton of things to ask, whether it was Raymond Felton or whoever it was. I was like, look, man, can I just be real with you? <laughs> Is the Kardashian curse real? <laughs> and, like, he started laughing. And, like, I think it hit him, like, that he had gone from the NBA to the big three. And he was like, yeah, I don't want to say that. <laughs> I was like, yeah, but, like, it is, isn't it? Yeah, so fans are all tweeting about how Dak needs to have a heart-to-heart with all those guys, the Lamar Odom, all that. That's a totally different thing. Before he gets in business. It's a totally different 
thing. Well, I mean, Kylie and Travis Scott have been on the rocks. So. Oh, no. After the Dixie thing? For like a year. Oh, it's Before over. Before the Dixie thing. Oh, for thing. God's sakes. It's, it's all over. There's no hope for Mrs. Clark and I. God, why are you doing this to me right now, man? Yeah, if Travis Scott and Kylie can't work God out. God damn. Well, at least Kim Kardashian and Pete Davidson. Damn it. Well, but Kim Kardashian and Con... Oh. Maybe Dak will date Kim Kardashian, actually, sure. now that I think about True. it. Then the Kardashian curse would... I wouldn't there. be surprised. All right. Very good. That's, what, uh, that's what's going on in the world of the Utes this week. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. Of course. It. All right. When we uh, when we come back in, we will uh, get a tidbit and get two or wind down for the week. Then we'll hear from Jake Butt previewing Maryland Northwestern tomorrow. Today's show also brought to you by the new print issue of Press Box. Speaking of Maryland, there's Kevin Willard, new Maryland basketball coach, on the cover. Uh, he sat down with Stan the Fan and I for a lengthy Q and A. Um, discussing the job that he is taking on in College Park. Really great stuff. Encourage you to go pick that up right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms and at the hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox. You can read it as well at PressBoxOnline.com. Also inside, we introduce you to college basketball players from every uh, men's and women's program across the state. Go pick up the print issue of PressBox today. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers start at close to $59,000 a year with a $10,000 bonus. Some restrictions apply. Plus a great retirement plan, medical, dental, and vision insurance, advancement to specialized units, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days earned per calendar year, and even further incentives for military members and veterans. If you have a passion for service and want a career for life, visit JoinBaltimoreCountyPD.com or call 410-887-554. You must be a United States citizen, possess a valid driver's license, and have a high school diploma or GED equivalent. The Baltimore County Police Department is an equal opportunity employer. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Glory Days Grill's Oktoberfest menu is now running. It's one of their most popular seasonal menus all year. It features the chicken schnitzel, the Oktoberfest brewer's platter, the brewer's sausage sandwich, the Bavarian burger with a pretzel bun, the cheddar ale soup, the slam dunk pretzels, and the apple cobbler. All of these meals pair well with Oktoberfest beers and Angry Orchard on draft. Dine in or order online at glorydaysgrill.com and pick up your favorites to take home. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. That first sip. That first bite mm. starts your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Have you been to Guilford Hall Brewery? Located in Baltimore's Station North neighborhood, Guilford Hall Brewery breaks the craft brew mold with their great handcrafted microbrews and amazing Bavarian-style food selections. Join Guilford Hall seven days a week for Orioles, Ravens, and all of your favorite college games. Make plans now to watch the big games, play trivia, or bring your dog for yappy hour. They even have free valet service on Friday and Saturday nights. Go to guilfordhall.com for a complete schedule of events, beer listings, and food and drink specials. We'll see you at Guilford Hall Brewery. 
Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Tune in to Simply the Bets every Tuesday and weekend at Bookies every other Thursday at 11.40 a.m. And if you really have nothing better to do, keep listening to this show, too. All right, winding down for not only Friday but for the week here on GCR. We're going to preview Maryland Northwestern in just a second. Don't forget the Tyus Bowser Show will return on November 1st. We will be back at uh, Hamilton Sports Bar and Grill with Tyus and his special guest. Find out more, pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. The Tyus Bowser Show is a partnership of Pressbox and Great Eights Memorabilia. It's brought to you by Maryland Vascular Specialists and the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill. Griffin, what you got for tidbit today? All right, so uh, the Gold Glove have finalists. You, uh, have you sent a note yet to uh, old, uh, old, old, old Dixie? I, I old have not. I was gonna, you know, try and give it more thought. Okay, uh, it needs to be perfect. More, Still yeah, Dixie yeah, Carter, more thoughtful. What do you mean more thoughtful? What do you mean more thoughtful? Pouring his heart out. Then figure out. Then letting her know that you are a <laughs> national champion, a major corporate spokesmodel, and the producer of a mildly successful internet talk show. What what could be more important than that? And I guess that you're right. you I guess you're right. that you have a big that you could offer a big night out to try to help her during a, a difficult time in her life, a lovely evening in Westminster, Maryland. I don't understand what could be better than that. Yeah, you're right. You seem that. not confident about this. Well, that I think I, that that is true. That that concerns <laughs> me. Like you gotta. It's like when I'd say that maybe this answers why it is we've been struggling guest wise this week. Like. You, know, you gotta you gotta put yourself out there sometimes, man. It's fair. It's fair. All right. Fair. fair, fair. All right. What? So the what Gold Glove finalists uh, came yeah, yeah. out. <laughs> Ruben, or, or I said Ruben Mateo. It's been a long time. Jorge Mateo, not among them. Been a, uh, bit, yeah. been a minute since Ruben Mateo. And, was uh, and so Oriole fans' uh, problems put together the uh, where he ranked with the other um, shortstop finalists in the American League. And he was among the top in defensive run saves, outs above average, and the ultimate zone rating from fan graphs oh. and fielding percentage. Oh. So he was okay. – uh, so defensive run saved – Jeremy Pena had 15, Mateo had 14, and then Bogertson Correa, who were also who were nominated ahead of Mateo, had four and three at defensive runs saved. Okay. And then at outs above average, Mateo was ahead of all three of those guys uh, with 11 outs above average, and then his ultimate zone rating was 7.5, much larger than Xander Bogert's 4.9 and Correa's 1.0, and Jeremy Pena's negative 6.3. Okay. And then at fielding percentage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, more, more Mateo. That, that Mateo. No, well, it's a travesty. Burn it all down. Yeah. I, you know what? Much like I didn't go to the what was it? The Academy Awards or whatever the, the hell Academy it was. Academy Museum Gala. And, and much like that, I'm gonna also boycott this year's uh, Gold Glove Gala. Well, I will not attend. I refuse to attend the Gold Glove Gala. Well, well Ramon Arias was nominated. All right, I'm going. I've changed my mind. I'm in. Where's my? A, I need my invite. He, he probably has a good shot because. Orioles fan problems also <laughs> put out the listed listed where he ranked mm-hmm. with the other with the others in that one, and he looks pretty good because he has 14 defensive runs saves. Which That's, is, by the way, if he wins a Gold Glove, just as good as winning a championship, <laughs> which is way more than Matt Chapman and uh, and and uh, Jose Ramirez, who both have two defensive runs saves. Yeah, that's jerks. Who the hell are they good at? He has seven outs above average. This guys stink. Chapman and Ramirez. I'm glad we don't have them on our team. He's got the biggest UZR, the ultimate zone rating. Yeah. And he, uh, well, actually, I guess he's got the worst fielding percentage out of the out of those three. He also has the biggest Lil Uzi Vert 
it's weird. I'm surprised by that. I didn't know there was more than one. So my my and also tidbit, seems like an oxymoron, <laughs> right? Big little Uzi Vert. My typical question was going to be or is: Can you name who has the most offensive run saved? You most certainly can't at each position. Not a chance in hell. Not a well, chance. Let's see if you can. Defensive run saved, you say? Yes. In baseball this season. Correct. We'll start. Uh, let's start at catcher. Adley Rutschman. That is an excellent guess. Who also not nominated for yeah, what the hell's that all about? And had a, a terrific season, but he is second with 18 defensive run saves this season. Pathetic. You're gonna have to get rid of that guy. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, it's just the way it goes. I thought I thought we were better than that. If I'm being totally honest with you. Um, I don't know. It's 12 and 18. Who is it a catch? It is Jose Trevino of the New York Yankees okay. at 21 sure. defensive run saves at first base. We're going to be doing this all the entire time. You're just going to end up telling me because it's, okay. two, it's Well, okay. First base uh, has got an Oriole connection, this guy. He's got an Oriole connection. A former Oriole, you're yes. saying? The hell was a former? Well, I guess maybe he never actually played for the Orioles, but he was in the Orioles organization. Oh, so Christian Walker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Christian Walker. Far and away, 17 defensive run, oh. defensive run saved oh. at first base. It was, uh, Ryan Mountcastle was also not nominated Correct. for the Gold yeah. Glove. And, and he had he had like the most outs above average of the of first this baseman. This is ridiculous. It is. This is ridiculous. I want to make it abundantly clear. None of us. None of us. That parade we were going to throw for the Gold Gloves this year, canceled. We're not doing it. Remember the party we were going to host? Uh, and and didn't, didn't you book Lil Uzi Vert to play that party to celebrate yeah. the Uzer leaders? Yeah, cancel it all. Hooser. None. None. We're not doing it. All right, it. second base. Uh, you'll, not, yeah, you'll never get second base. Oh, Brendan right. Rodgers. I definitely know what Brendan Rodgers is. However, do you know who had the most outs above average at second base? Another former Oriole. Another former Oriole. A former Oriole. No, I don't. Played uh, second base for the Detroit Tigers this year. Jonathan, Jonathan Scope. Scope, yeah, The sure. most about outs right, above yeah, average. Sure. Shortstop, I gave it away. You did? Yeah. He, uh, while I was reading reading them off. I don't even remember what you said. Jeremy Pena had 15. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. And then Jeremy Mateo, Pena, 14. Yeah. Miguel yeah. Rojas also had 15. Okay. Defensive run saved. Third base. You want to try and give it a guess? It's not Ramon Urias. Is it a National Leaguer? It is a National Leaguer. Because you named the American League guys. Um, NL Central team. Cabrian Hayes. Good guess. Ex- excellent guess. 24. Okay. Defensive run saves. Cabrian I mean, it's Cabrian one of the few. Hayes. Like it, it, it was very exciting yeah. this year. And then the outfielder with the most defes- defensive run saved this season. The outfielder. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, another National League Central team. National League Central. Very bad this season. Very bad they, this they season. They handled the Orioles pretty well. They handled the Orioles pretty well, but they were very bad. And it's not the Pirates. Mm-mm. So the Reds. Yes. God, who played for the Reds this yeah. year? They were so bad. It's hard for me to remember who played for the Reds this year. Hang on a second. The Reds had, uh, oh, God. All right, tell me another way I might know this person. Uh, <laughs> his first name's hard to pronounce. Actually, his full name's pretty hard to pronounce. Uh, uh, I think his bat's got some power. Aquino? Mm-hmm. All right. Aristides Aquino. Aquino, okay. All right. 20 defensive runs saved, leading all outfielders in Major League Baseball. Dude, I'm not even kidding. By the time, like, we're, how many weeks are we removed from baseball season? Still, I've, still baseball season. I've forgotten basically everything about <laughs> baseball season. Like, not even remotely joking. I've yeah, forgotten too. just That's about weird. everything about baseball season. And then There's, the pitcher, well, one of the – you might be able to get no, the pitcher. He's stop. pitching tonight. Severino? No. I don't remember who's pitch. Oh, no, no, because that's tomorrow. Yeah, National uh, League. Tonight's the National League. Uh, Ranger Suarez. Ranger Suarez, most right. defensive run saved. Sure, sure. Of, of and he's got a dope name, so yeah. he's got that going for him. It's all right. How has uh, they not gotten him to Texas, by the way? How have uh, they not managed to make that work? Ranger Suarez. 
All right, very good. Tubular brought to you by the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill and Dixie Alvarez. Or what? It's getting worse. <laughs> D'Amelio. D'Amelio, I'm sorry. Dixie D'Amelio knows. Dixie Alvarez. That Griffin is the national spokesmodel, unless, unless he's dog-sitting. Should maybe work that in to what you say, because mm. that sounds sweet, right? Like, not this when, weekend, but the next. When I'm not I'm when sitting. I'm not busy yeah. dog sitting, I'm the national spokesmodel for the Ginsu Kamado Grill. Is what national. I would. Well, I mean, I guess sure. I mean, that's that's correct, right, John Colson? Oh, I'm getting a grill. Hell nice. yeah, I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. That's bad news for you. You could, I tell you what, if it helps with, oh God, I've already forgot. <laughs> Dixie. Di, oh, DiMaggio. Dixie DiMaggio. <laughs> if it helps with her, I will let you come over and borrow. You can use, now you can't take it from my house. Okay. But I gotta, you can, I can come to you your can house. come to my house okay. on a night where I'm away, which is never. Yeah. So <laughs> let me know ahead of time. <laughs> And you can we'll, bring your date we'll, to we'll, your boss's we'll go house. To, we'll go to Island Greens, all right? Okay. And you can offer that you will be willing to prepare kebabs on the Ginsu, the Ginsu Kamado Grill for your, your date that we're not even saying is a date necessarily. It could just be a friend's get-together with you and Dixie. Sure. It's D'Amelio. There it well is. Yeah! Well done. All right? Dixie Alvarez. Do <laughs> I don't. I don't. I'm sorry. Sorry. I was like, yeah, I was, I was like, what? <laughs> I thought he was still guessing. I, I thought he was guessing players still, know, man. All right, so you can do that. Uh, Ginsu Kamado Grill. Uh, GinsuGrills.com. Use the code tailgate. We're going to be on until 1 o'clock today. Yeah. You can use the code tailgate to save $100 on your order. What you got? Oh, it's me. It's tubular. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> I did that part. I, was, I do have another. Uh, Jonas Schaefer, I think, tweeted out when weekends when Taylor Swift uh, I did see this, yes. <laughs> releases an album. A game after... A Taylor Swift album. The Ravens are yes. seven and two all seven time. Two. So they got Ooh. they got that going for them. That's a going lot of albums. Weekend. That is a lot of albums, no doubt. I don't know if that counts when she remade her own albums. Mm-mm. I don't know. I have no idea. I can't. I can't follow all of this. Here's the the totally tubular rundown. Baseball tonight. Fox Sports one. Game three between the Padres and Phillies. Seven thirty. Joe Musgrove and Ranger Suarez. Uh, baseball tomorrow. Game three of the ALCS is at five on TBS. Um, Garrett Cole pitches. I don't know if anybody else has announced pitchers for the rest of the weekend. Probably callers, I guess, right? Yeah, it makes sense. Game four is tomorrow night. Uh, Padres Phillies, 745 on Fox. On Sunday, game five in the NLCS, which, you know, could be the clincher, is on at 230, smack dab in the middle of football. So <laughs> that seems smart. Right. Really smart. Uh, 2.30 for Padres-Phillies game five on Fox Sports 1. And then TBS for Astros-Yankees game four at 7 on Sunday night. Uh, football tomorrow, college football, Northwestern Maryland, 7.30 on Big Ten Network, Houston Navy at noon on ESPNU, William Mary Towson at 7 on Flow Sports. As I always say, it's unfair to have to play both. Just it's not, it's just not fair. It's not fair. Uh, Morgan State, Delaware at 3 also on Flow Sports. Stevenson's at home tomorrow at noon against FDU Florham. Hopkins at home tomorrow at 1 against Gettysburg. Uh, big games tomorrow uh, in college football. UCLA, Oregon, 3.30 on Fox. 
Uh, ESPN has Mississippi State, Alabama at 7, ABC for Syracuse, Clemson at noon, and Texas, Oklahoma State at 3.30. And on Sunday, CBS for Browns-Ravens at 1. The uh, local games on Fox are Packers-Commanders at 1, Chiefs-49ers at 4.25. Do we know yet if they're going to try to throw Christian McCaffrey out there on Sunday? I it seems feel like... It seems uh, insane, it does, but, but like, at the same time, like you just not? paid a lot for yeah. him, right? Like I feel like he's gonna win. You just gotta hit yeah. him the ball and tell him to run, right? Like <laughs> just do it. Um, I don't feel quite as good about my pick of the Chiefs, but I still think so. Steelers Dolphins eight fifteen on NBC because that's definitely. Although I guess Tua comes back this week, so at least there is something worth watching about yeah, that for game. some reason. Do I start yeah. him or Geno Smith? I think you start Tua if he's playing. I, I think do. you start Gino. Whoa. Did you Uh-oh. see Tua said he has no recollection of anything? Oh, of that, that doesn't seem great. All right, maybe you play Gino. <laughs> maybe I've changed my mind. So he doesn't remember getting hit or going out or of a stretcher all he or anything else. Throwing, you know, four touchdowns, six yeah. touchdowns against the Ravens. Yeah, pretty uh, good day for him. Non-sports so highlights. Uh, a couple of the Amazon Prime show with Chloe Grace Moretz, the peripheral, the series where sure it's it like the, she's transported to the future, and I think she sees something. And now she's like got to save. She sees something happen to her, and now she's like trying she's to save like the universe. Thirty now, isn't she? By the way, like, I, is she, she already? I feel old? like she still looks like she she's one of those like people play, who looks you know, the same. Another teenager. Yeah. yeah. Um. So that's on Prime. Uh, she's Twenty-five. Netflix movie called From Scratch, where Zoe. I said highlights. <laughs> Zoe, so this is a Connor Norby movie. Okay. Uh, oh, Zoe's Why are we sharing it? Because because I wanted to throw out the Connor Norby thing. Okay. All right. We can just leave it. And so she she starts dating an Italian chef. Okay. So he's out on Cool. Um, I tell you Black what. Adam's I tell you out. what. <laughs> oh, I do off, want to see Black off, Adam. Offered. Uh, from scratch. Alvarez. Dix- <laughs> Dixie Dickinson. Offer her that you guys could hang out, go to Island Greens, and watch from scratch together on your sure date. All yeah, right? yeah. Griffin. I don't think you're going to do it. All right, fine. I guess I'll do it. Do it. What do you have to lose? Do you're it. right. I have do nothing to lose. It. Yeah. Next. What else? Uh, Black Adam's out. Oh, is that out this weekend? That I is out, yeah. They've seen? done, I guess, apparently it's bad. Yeah, I was going to say, have we I seen feel like, yeah. So uh, that's why I guess they haven't. I don't expect much from the DC movies, but I like them. Like, I liked Aquaman, right, even right. though I loved bad. Aquaman. Yeah. Aqu- I didn't think Aquaman was bad. I thought Aquaman was good. Ooh, 43% mm-hmm. for Black Adam on Rotten Tomatoes. What's yeah. Aquaman? And well, so yeah. the, the, the most recent, like, little hype trailer they put out, it was like the, it was like quotes. It was like, the greatest superhero movie ever. And it, the, and you couldn't see who the quote now, was attributed I, to. I have to. It was every, Dwayne Johnson. It was, it, was no, some, it was some dude it was on the zoomed, internet. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. It was like Duke the Fridge. Yeah. So, who the quote was so I have said, though, I do think that critics have often been unfair to Dwayne Johnson. Johnson, like where I like a movie that he made was just fun. It's yeah, we just were a talking good time. about this. So I don't, but I don't know. This one doesn't look necessarily like a fun movie. Like I don't know how I yeah. feel about this. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, don't, I don't like it. And there's Ticket to like Paradise it. as well in the movie out yeah, with uh, George oh, Clooney yeah. and Julia Roberts. Yeah, Pretty Woman Two or something. Uh, is, and there's no SNL this weekend, right? They're off uh, this weekend. I believe no, I believe yeah, they are off. Yeah. They are off this weekend. All right, very good. House of House of the Dragons uh, finale. Okay. Thanks to uh, Stan the Fan Charles. Thanks to Tyler Kepner. And thanks to Jake Butt, who we're about to hear from. Thanks also to Gerard Sherry. We'll get it all up in the greatest hits section of the <laughs> tab at glennclarkradio.com. Bat around tomorrow morning, uh, 10 to noon, with Paul and Zach. Uh, I'll be with you at halftime on Pressbox's Facebook page for Project Game Day on Saturday. Then Reed and I post game on 105.7 The Fan. And then we're back on Monday. Uh, did we uh, end up successfully moving anything to Monday? Or? Not yet. Uh, I think Will Barton's going to join us on uh, Monday from the uh, Wizards. Uh, uh, Baltimore native Will Barton, I believe, will join us on Monday's show. 
Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including uh, Baltimore County Police Department, Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, Costas Inn, Guilford Hall Brewery, Great Eights Memorabilia, the FanDuel Sportsbook at Life Casino and Hotel, Maryland Vascular Specialist, the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Uh, at Micah.Ernest on Instagram is yes, how you sir. can follow him. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. You can follow uh, Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass, but only if he does this. If he doesn't, then we're not going to plug it any longer. Uh, have a great weekend. Go, um, go Astros. Go all local teams, all the local football and uh, teams and the Ravens. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks, too. We wrap up today's show by previewing Maryland Northwestern tomorrow. Jake Butt from the Big Ten Network. Maryland Northwestern coming up this Saturday. Our next guest is going to be on the call for Big Ten Network. He is former NFL tight end and former Mackey Award winner. Mr. Jake Butt is with us here on GCR. Jake, it's Glenn. It's great to chat with you, man. Thank you so much for taking the time for us. Yeah, of course, guys. Glad to talk. And you kind of mentioned the tight end background. If you didn't know, I, think, I believe it's National Tight End Week. Oh. It's National Tight End Day coming up. So well, congrats. What, do, I'm super excited to see uh, 84 Deitches. No doubt. He's phenomenal. I like, he's almost like a receiver, but he can mix it up in the blocking as well. And then, uh, you, you know, the guy that doesn't get enough credit, but he's just quietly just putting out a steady season is number 18, C.J. Dupree. I think he's playing phenomenal football. Today. I agree. You guys got two great ones. Both had made big plays last week, obviously, in the win against yep. Indiana. Uh, Jake, what is the appropriate gift for someone uh, in National Tight End Week? Like, if we're headed down to College Park tomorrow, what could we bring by the booth? Should, is it myrrh or frankincense? Like, what do you do for National Tight End Day? <laughs> No, 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 no. It has not, no. What you, I what feel like you, it'd probably be more like pork rinds or beef jerky or something like that, right? It's, yeah, that works. Yeah. That works. A bottle of bourbon maybe. But <laughs> I, what, I, what I'm most looking forward to is seeing these guys have an excellent football game. I, I love talking about the tight ends up in the booth. So seems like they're, I mean, Deitches is a favorite target. Dupree's doing a great no job doubt. as well. So as long as those guys have big games, give me something to talk about the position, that'll be great. We were literally just talking about Corey Deitches the other day. He was supposed to join us, but they had to change the practice schedule, so we had to push it back to next week. Um, I, I, what, what's interesting to me, Maryland's had a, a nice little run here with tight ends, with Chigakonkwo most recently. Of course, everybody thinks about Vernon Davis. That's a very lofty standard, but... Are you starting to buy, like, Corey Deitches looks to me like an NFL tight end when I watch him play. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Yeah, there's no reason he can't be. Um, the, the the question is, is how much will he be able to separate? I mean, he's a redshirt sophomore right now, so how much will he be able to separate and accelerate his game um, as his career unfolds? I think it's got him listed at about 220 pounds right now, which isn't terrible. But, hey, if you want to be an every-down tight end in the league, you probably need to get up to 235, 240. Um, and still maintain some of that speed. But there's nothing he, he can't do. I mean, Maryland will use him flexed out as a solo receiver. And, you know, we saw it at the Michigan game. They were throwing him go balls down the sideline against Michigan's top defensive back. So they don't have a problem using that. He can run any route, whether it's underneath, intermediate. You know, we just mentioned the go balls downfield. And then I think his best attribute is really what he does after the catch. He's almost He's impossible to bring right. down upon first contact. It's so he's just checking boxes across the board. What do they say? They call it on NFL Network the angry runs. Like, he is an angry runner, man. <laughs> and he's right. got a head full yeah. of steam. Jake Butt with us. Maryland Northwestern tomorrow, 3.30 on Big Ten Network. Um, Jake, obviously the big storyline this week is uh, Talia Tungavailoa and Mike Loxley saying, hey, he's day-to-day and game-time decisions. So 
I think there's an opinion that a lot of people have that, hey, look, you got a buy coming up. Why not? Maybe try to get through this one. It's just Northwestern, and Billy Edwards looked all right last week. But, you know, you tell me from the mindset of a football player, like the, the idea of somebody coming to you and saying, hey, we think you might be healthy enough to play, but we'd rather just not have you play. I'm going to guess that, that nobody, particularly not a quarterback, is willing to go along with that. No, yeah, I mean, if you can play, I don't think – I think this is more stuff that gets talked about in the media, but if you're a player and you say, hey, I can play, then you can play, yeah. you know, and you, you will play. Now, there is some subjectivity where it's like, hey, if it's really, really close, then you have to look at the context of the situation throughout the season and see, does it make sense to risk it for this game or do we need to get them healthy? Hey, there's another bye week. Those MCL sprains are tricky. I've done my ACL three times, but I've had my fair share of MCL sprains where the, it's it's you're good enough to play you're cleared to play but that knee just feels really loose and it, it can affect your ability to move and one thing that i think is probably the most underrated part of leah's game is his ability to navigate the pocket i'm just watching him just do some phenomenal things in this game against indiana and um, they also use him down in the red zone in these read option mm-hmm. scenarios as well so how healthy he is to be able to run is, a, is another consideration and listen, man, he's the heartbeat of the offense. However many weapons you have, it, it's always about the quarterback. So, you know, you, you, there's a lot of factors that go into this. And I know, you know, they'll, they'll do what's best for him, and, and he'll be a part of that decision as well. Just how different is Maryland if it's Billy Edwards who plays tomorrow? Well, how different is anybody if losing their star, star quarterback, right? <laughs> it's going to be different, but I think – as soon as we talk about how important Leah is, you, you can start to go down the list and say this this offense is so talented. There's weapons at the receiver position. We've already talked to tight ends. Your backs are phenomenal. They're just so fun to watch. And I mean, it's it's something that, that doesn't get talked about enough, but they fall forward every single carry. And you know what? It's It's two yards here and there. So two yards doesn't make the difference. But if you run it 15, 20, 25 times a game, that's another 30, 40, 50, 60 yards throughout the game just by falling forward and reaching the ball out. And they're so thick and strong. That adds up throughout the game. And then, you know, Billy Edwards, he can operate within that system. And the offensive line just gives you so much confidence. Such a veteran group returning all their starters, and they're playing great ball. So you have answers if you're a quarterback that has to come in. Man, you feel good about the, the group as a whole that's going to be able to carry you in. Listen, Billy Edwards, he looked great against Michigan. I, I mean, I remember watching that game, and I'm like, all right, who is this guy? You know, mm-hmm. he's coming in, and he's playing great. So you've seen his ceiling. Now I don't know how I don't know how the practice reps have been split up this week, but I'd imagine he's getting more reps than usual. You know, that could help him out in this game um, to go out there and, 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 you know, be more comfortable if his number is called. I don't want to look past Northwestern. So before I ask the next question, Jake – What's happened? You know, this is a team that started off the season obviously quite well, um, you know, got a big win. And we, they had their moments. They were competitive against Penn State, right? But, but yep. boy, they have it, it just doesn't seem to be something that's held together. Uh, what's going on with Northwestern? And, you know, in what way are they a threat against Maryland tomorrow? Well, you know, it's, it's true. It's a true thing just across football generally. It's, you know, more games are lost than won. And Northwestern has beat themselves down the stretch. They lead the nation in fumbles right now. And the hard thing about fumbles is, you know, just talking to their offensive coordinator, 
um, Coach Jake and, and Fitz, it's like, hey, we know we're going to throw interceptions. You know, when you drop back, an interception is going to happen here or there. But for the most part, a fumble is in your control. And they emphasize it. They go through practice. But, you know, the turnovers just not only do they take away scoring opportunities for you, but then they give favorable scoring opportunities to the other points, to the other team. And what that, what that ends up being is a massive point swing, whether it's a touchdown for them that would have been a touchdown for you, that's 14 points. Field goal to a touchdown, that's 10 points. You know, so that adds up. And they've been really, really struggling with that. And then, um, you know, just, just aside from the mistakes, they just haven't played quality football across the board. It's it's the tough part is is it's not one sweeping thing. It's not like hey this one guy is costing us. If we take him out and substitute him in, they'll be better. It's not one scheme that's costing them. Like hey let's remove this from our playbook. It's just one little thing here or there that's cost them. And those in those plays throughout the season have just added up to a lot and hurt them. So I know defensively they're focused on limiting explosive plays and. Obviously, that's going to be a tough task against a, a tough Maryland offense. But um, if you ask if you ask what their threat is, that's a good offensive line in their own right. They got the best left tackle, probably the best tackle in either side in the mm-hmm. country. And Peter Skaronsky, mm-hmm. Evan Hole is an Iron Man. He can do. He's a matchup nightmare. I mean, he's a, he's a quality back, but he catches the ball really smooth out of the backfield. They do some things to get you know him in position, and he's creative. And then we'll see. I mean, they're going with two different quarterbacks. I, last week you saw, and then, um, you know, we'll see who starts this week, who's under center, but, you know, maybe they can find a spark in the fact that they're, they're having some competition out there. So, I mean, it's, it's a team that hasn't performed great, but it's also a Big Ten football team, and it's also a Coach Fitzgerald football no team doubt. where, you know, you better not sleepwalk on them because, you know, that they, they, they can it's, – it's a game of football. Anybody can win on any given weekend. He is Jake Butt. He is on the call. Maryland Northwestern tomorrow at 3.30 on Big Ten Network. He's with us here on GCR. Um, Jake, as we do project beyond you know Northwestern and hopefully for people around here, Maryland handles their business. There's this thought of you know what's beyond that. And they have Wisconsin, who's improved a little bit, but has been down. And then Penn State, Ohio State, two real monsters there. And for the progress that Maryland has made under Michael Oxley, I, I feel like there's been this, you know, what more could there be? How could you take a next step, be competitive with the best teams? You obviously referenced already how competitive they were at Michigan earlier this season. Some bad luck, you know, a couple of uh, questionable calls, plays that weren't reviewed. I'm sure um, you didn't mind that so much, being the Michigan man that you are. Um, but uh, what's the difference right now for Maryland, a team that's played well for stretches, played really well for stretches, and you know has been kind of puzzling in others in closing that gap and being able to compete against the Penn States, the Ohio States as the season goes along? Well, it kind of happens in steps, okay? So you you take your program where you are, and then you're not just going to become Ohio State overnight or Michigan overnight. You you know, going into the season, Maryland was 4-40 and all-time against the big four in the East, meaning Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, and Penn State. They were 4-40 and against those four teams. Well, they handled business with Michigan State, so that's, that's a plus. Now Michigan State's struggling, so the context matters. But you know, ultimately, you say, "Hey, you know, you got Ohio State, Penn State. You got to be at a minimum competitive in those games. And if you can steal one of those games, that's a metric that you can go back and say, all right, we're certainly improving year over year. We're getting closer to our goals.' So, so it starts there. You know, you first have to get up to the door, then you got to knock on the door, and then you got to stay there until you ultimately can kick the 
door down and, and your old ceiling then becomes your new floor, if that makes sense. Right. Mm-hmm. And right now you feel like you're at the, you're, you're at the ceiling. Well, you got to break through and then make sure that that's your new floor. And Locks has done a great job of recruiting, recruiting out there in his backyard, developing talent. Um, the coordinators are, are doing a good job of scheming towards the strengths of that talent. So the pieces are in place. I, I don't think any team's going to feel good playing Maryland at any point in the season because they have so much talent. They do so many things well that they can beat anybody on any Saturday. It seems like when they've been disciplined, which has been rare, they have been off-penalized yep. this season. But we think about that Michigan game and how well they played. That was the most disciplined we've seen them all season. Is it too simplistic to say hey, if they can keep that under control, if they can be disciplined, avoid penalties, that they might have a chance to be competitive in those games. Yeah, well, that's kind of kind of just what we were saying for Northwestern about their turnovers and their fumbles. Yeah, It's a similar thing with discipline and penalties. It's like, man, football's hard enough to win when you do everything right. But if you're giving up penalties and, and you're beating yourselves, well, my goodness, you know, you're just you're swimming upstream. It makes it that much harder. So the more you can limit this, the mistakes that you have within your old, own control, the closer you are to winning. Um, but you you got to start to ask why, because hey, these you know they have been heavily penalized throughout the season, and I know Locks has emphasized it, um, but it's ultimately about going out there and doing it and doing it on a consistent basis. So um, especially going against Ohio State and Penn State, you have to limit as many mistakes as possible just to put yourself in a position to potentially win at the end of the game. Uh, All right, I got two I want to wrap with. The first one, it's very important. There's been a debate that's popped up, and I imagine um, you would understand our side of the debate. Uh, Who's the best tight end in the NFL right now, Jake Butt? Best tight end in the NFL? I mean, it's it's kind of a a runaway pick at this point with the season he's already having, Travis Kelsey, right? You you know, but the numbers with Mark Andrews are basically the exact same this season. Okay, yeah, I'll give you that. Mark, Mark, Mark Andrews is playing good. I just, it maybe it's the fact that you know I find myself watching Chiefs games all right, um, all right. in prime time and, and the, the multiple touchdown. What do you have? Four touchdowns the other day. It's like yeah, a, it was insane. No question. So crazy. So yeah. the, the, they both benefit from the fact they're their quarterbacks' top targets at this point in the season. So those guys, sure, they'll, they'll go toe to toe. And then when Kittle's healthy, he's another name. Pitts can develop it. He scores some more touchdowns. So there's some good ones. I'm, I'm definitely leaving. Guys, well, we, 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 we just like having people tell us we're pretty in Baltimore. That's all it is. Uh, Kelsey, <laughs> Kelsey, six games, 41 catches, 455 yards. Andrew, six games, 39 catches, 455 yards. So, I mean, it's remarkable yeah. um, how well that Mark can. We, we've, we've, What's uh, the touchdowns? Uh, it's only two off. It's seven for Kelsey, five for Andrew. So, slight okay. edge, okay. right, for Kelsey, you know, yeah. slight. But, man, you know, we, we want a little more love for Mark Andrews is all to this To me, is. they're different tight ends, though. Kelsey, okay. Kelsey's got this, this – when you watch Kelsey run routes, he's just this fluid, slippery athlete. Every single route he runs starts off looking the same. And then his ability to change direction without losing any speed is what makes him so good. Andrews is probably a faster straight line athlete than Kelsey. And he makes some phenomenal catches. He's great on those crossers. He complements the system really well because they can they can run the ball in Baltimore and then they get into play action. They get the tight end screaming across the middle. So he does some great things too. Um, and and you know they're both great in their own right. Right, like pick your poison, man. No, I think no any offensive 
coordinator would be happy to have either of those guys. Oh, but yeah, we we would we a hundred percent. There's no question. They're incredible players. And then I remember when we chatted with you around the time of the Mackey Award, um, you were willing to, to and obviously your your Twitter name is is Booty. Like you you have fun with it. I'm sure you have heard a billion yeah. bad jokes. I'm sure you've heard a ton of just terrible, grown worthy puns or you know quips about your last name. Have you ever heard one that you genuinely said, okay, this is really funny? Like our broadcaster suddenly, uh, subtly slid something in while you were doing a game. Was there ever one that you actually thought was funny? Oh, man, you know, probably not at this point, right? Okay. I, it's, I feel like I've heard it all. Um, we, we have fun with it. Um, you know, I will say I've benefited from it as well. I got a deal, a marketing deal with Charmin coming out of, oh, coming out of college, so I that mean, was great. Dude, but, how uh, can you do better than that? <laughs> exactly. That came in handy. So, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like to say the best is yet to come. At, at this point, I think most people think they're saying a joke for the first time, Not when in chance, reality I've, right. I've heard these jokes of course. so many times. Yeah, exactly. Of course. It's all you've ever heard. I completely understand it. All right, at jbooty88 on Twitter is how you follow him. Big Ten Network tomorrow for Maryland Northwestern at 3.30. Um, Jake, is there anything else we can plug for you, man? Uh, no, that's great. That's perfect. Reach out on Twitter. Um, I've actually done a breakdown. If you go back in the, in the history of Maryland's offense for the Big Ten Network, if you check out their YouTube, I did a breakdown of what makes them so great. So um, it's familiar territory. I'm excited to call one of their games and awesome. see it in person. It's, it's one of my favorite offenses to watch so um, reach out on twitter i engage with people ask me questions um give me criticism it's all it's all fair so reach out engage i love it good deal man uh jake seriously appreciate taking the time for us uh enjoy your trip to maryland and we'll look forward to chatting again down the road thank you so much for doing this sounds good anytime